guys. Welcome back. It's the New Blood Rising podcast, episode 120. It's 125? Well, whatever. We're in the 120s, folks. Yeah, somewhere in there. Uh, no, the reason I had to say is I, I thought I'd written it down, but I hadn't. But um, we're here in season five. It is from Sting to Hogan. And right now we're about to dive into Super Brawl 2, a big, big show, a very important show in our timeline because contrary to like maybe a lot of people we talked about within the round table, there's been a lot of really good buildup for this show going on for many months. So there's a lot of things that are going to get paid off here. There's some things that are going to carry over, but it'll be, in, it'll be interesting to talk about here. Um, I'm William Rankin, joined by Jason Keesler. How's it going, everybody? Charlie Stabile. Happy to be back. This is an awkward recording because we're doing this in two kind of segments. The first segment here is we're literally holding a phone up to me and Charlie here as we're literally inches away from one another <laughs> while Jason is on the other line here. Jason, do you want to kind of just explain how this is going to go down real quick? Sure. While Charlie and Will are lady in the tramping over there, uh, <laughs> I'm just going to cover <clears throat> the first few batches because I am in the process of passing a kidney stone uh so i'm definitely need rest and then the fact that all of our technology has decided to betray us uh we're kind of limited on on my availability for time so sorry that everyone's not going to get to hear my hot take on staying winning the title back but uh we'll see so it, if it sounds a little wonky you know well it's not going to be for the whole show we will I'll do my best to try and clean this up, however it sounds, and then we'll move forward from there. But let's get into this show because it's a, um, again, a really important show. There's a, uh, we got a few notes just to preface it with from um, our good buddy, uh, uh, Lincoln Phoenix there on Twitter. So let's get it going. Um, this show, February 29th, it's a leap year, 1992. Miller High Life Theater, the Mecca in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Number one movie, Wayne's World. Second of five weeks, number one. The number one song in the U.S., To Be With You by Mr. Big. Good song. Uh, number one song in the U.K., Stay by Shakespeare Sisters. The number one song in Australia is Let's Talk About Sex by Salt and Peppa. Ooh. The WCW champion is Lex Luger. The WCW tag team champions are Arn Anderson and Bobby Eaton. The United States tag team champions are Greg Valentine and Terrence Taylor. The U.S. heavyweight champion is Rick Rude. The light heavyweight champion is Jushin Thunder Liger. The WWF champion on the other side is Ric Flair. The intercontinental champion is Rowdy Roddy Piper. And the WWF tag team champion, still holding strong, are the Legion of Doom. Wow. Real quick here. There is a fourth WWF championship floating around at the time. The WWF light heavyweight championship. Commissioned in 1981 during a period when the WWF was in a business partnership with the Universal Wrestling Alliance in Mexico. The first champion was Pero Aguayo, and the current champion is the Pegasus Kid. Father of the Year. Break it down. On the 28th of September, 1996, then-champion the Great Sasuke would win a tournament final, final defeating Ultimo Dragon to unify the light heavyweight title and seven other titles to crown the very fir the first ever J-Crown winner for New Japan Pro Wrestling. This collection of titles would be defended later in the year by champion Ultimo Dragon, who would defeat Sasuke for the crown on the 11th of October at Starcade in a match against WCW Cruiserweight champion Dean Malenko. The J-Crown would be abandoned when WWF requested a light heavyweight championship back at the end of 97 for the revived division in WWF. Then champion um, Shinjiro Atani would return 
Not I, bad. I like that, huh? That's Re- good. Would return all the <laughs> he would return all the other titles of their respective promotions. I'm sorry. <laughs> Wonder what the shipping costs on this oh, is. Man. The same day, fifty pounds of gold. <laughs> <laughs> but he would retain the IWGP Junior Heavyweight Championship in his home promotion, New Japan <laughs> Pro Wrestling. So there we go. Let's get into it. Even with a simply con- a simply constructed video package, this show feels huge with no less than four titles on the line and some high caliber feuds with Sting and Luger headlining the world title. Funny enough, there's only seven matches on this show, which really is a... I, ca- I counted eight. Is it eight? But still, I still, noticed it. It's a big like, drop wow. compared to where we've been in the past. Tight. We, um, we have Bischoff and Shivani, and there's a lot of bit, there's a lot of talking. There's a lot of things um, that we'll cover in this show. There's a lot of, you know, a lot of are, stuff to fill the time. So to are speak. Tony and Eric doing the very first wrestling podcast? Because they might be. <laughs> they might do be. our review show. <laughs> <laughs> Bischoff and Shivani open up the show, and they were their perched area away from the ring where they go back and forth, giving their takes on various matches. The setup here is Bischoff throws out a take on a match, and Tony, now playing the role of passive aggressive Jim Ross, completely puts it under the boss. An interesting note that we can elaborate on later is the interesting flip in the tag titles picture with now the Steiner, the Steiners in line to take on Eaton and Anderson from the Dangerous Alliance. Tony at first goes out on a wild limb. He says Eaton and Anderson are the best tag team wrestlers of all time. It's actually a sneaky good take when you think about it with uh, and a pretty impressive take considering you know Tony's commentary lately. Because like I said, when I thought about it at first, I was like, wow, that's wild. But I was like, no, you know what? Not that crazy. After they go through a few of the feuds and matches, the action shifts to Missy Hyatt in the back. She's back in Missy mode where she's planning on getting interviews tonight, including one with world heavyweight champion Lex Luger. We'll see how that pans out. She should really turn in her resignation letter. Well, well, somebody, were you guys <laughs> waiting for Hanson? When you're, I always oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Always. The ninja comes close, but, yeah. it's, but it's not Hanson. Yeah. All right. So Tony throws it to Jim Ross in the ring in the crowd. Can't say it enough. Is extremely pumped. It's a great crowd. Uh, I, I'll go and say it now. Uh, underrated Milwaukee, over the edge ninety eight. They are oh, that is a crowd. Oh my god! And I'll be honest, I can't name a lot more. Show. Well, obviously, King of the Ring ninety six was another one. An awesome crowd for that moment. Kind of underrated. Like not saying like at Chicago level, but Milwaukee deserves its due in the pantheon of great wrestling crowds. All right, so. Um, Tony throws it to Jim Ross. Ross brings out the American badass Jesse Ventura, who rides down the ramp on his motorcycle. <laughs> Are you scared? <laughs> Are you scared, Shivani? I ain't got time to bleed. Roll and roll and roll and roll. <laughs> I ain't got time to rest in peace. <laughs> <Vote> for me. <laughs> He cuts a bit of a promo pumping up his choice in an American-made Harley Davidson, as well as WCW in general. Can we talk about this this kind of cliche? Because WWF, this never happens. It's always WCW where a WWF guy will come to WCW and give us the obligatory, this is the future of pro wrestling, or WCW is where the where the best wrestling is. Like I, I can't think of a single time where a WCW guy went to WWF and went, yep, like, we're the, we're the best. <laughs> No, because WCW is always punching up. And then, like, comes the most incredible moment that I never saw coming. Now, if you're a football fan, you can call him Jesse Romo or you can call him Jesse Jesse Damas. He says if Jim Ross wore a cowboy hat, 
He looked just like J.R. Ewing, which pops the crowd. Then he again, he goes a little further. And he says, he you know what? Your initials are J.R. I've been saying this for years. <laughs> I never knew that somebody called J.R. out for it. And J.R. does not sell it. No, no. no. And it's like, it's, it, this is an incredible moment. And then he quickly just shoots it back up to Tony and Eric for a brief chat again before we finally start after nearly seven minutes of preamble. It is start off, six minutes, 59 seconds. It is right on it. Uh, Jason, we start off with uh, the light heavyweight championship. It is Flying Brian versus the defending champion Jushin Thunder Liger, who we should say won the belt Christmas not, or Christmas Eve or Christmas night in the Omni, I believe. Yep. In if it. I can change, <laughs> you can change. Oh, uh, um, just real quick, we you went over that horrible, horrible video package that they have. The only redeeming thing is Rick Rude's blowing kiss got a sound effect. It did. Everything it did. else is like pretty. I was like, man, this is like a regression. And then there's Rick Rude with. I was like, yeah, I'm all on. I'm all in. Uh, I didn't really think that uh, the JR comment popped the crowd. Uh, I don't know. Uh, I'm not a big fan of Ventura's commentary these first few matches here uh, because I was just wondering if he spent his entire two years away from wrestling living in a closet and being very awkward and not talking to anybody because it's it's pretty bad, which is weird because his commentary during the one match he did at the Clash was actually pretty good. Uh, but, you know... Let's get to this match. Uh, I like how here comes Pillman out to the ring. Jim Ross accompanies him with all of his football stats that are still going on when Liger is being introduced and Liger has no time for it and just comes rushing to the ring to get it over with. Uh, first little bit here. This is a joke for one person in the room as Ventura is like me at an icon finalist. He needs to get closer to that microphone because you can't hear him for the first few minutes. It's pretty bad. Um, nice. Nice. Good right. reference. Thank you. Verizon uh, reference. And I think uh, for this match, Flying Brian should change his name to not Flying Brian because that's a great idea. I like how it's like, oh, oh, he's he's come with the game plan. He's going to mat wrestle Liger. And Liger's like, okay, I can mat wrestle too, uh, which is neat. What happened to American Edge Flying Brian from The Clash where he was like, I see these Japanese companies buying the buildings. Where's that? He's all waving. He's all happy. Uh, it it doesn't follow through, um, but the cool thing is is that Jushin Thunder Liger's headgear gives Jesse Ventura flashbacks because he starts talking about the Predator. You know, Jim Ross, I was in the Predator. Like you could take a drink every time he says it, and take another drink every time Jim Ross refuses to acknowledge it. It's pretty awkward uh, when you say something and people don't respond back. And poor Jesse had to do that on pay per view. And then he does it again in less than three minutes. And, and, and I don't know. I don't get it. Liger going for the surfboard stretch and Pillman frantically clawing his way out. I like that. It's been a pattern in the last several years of, of we'll say, modern wrestling is when someone's going for a, a complicated submission, the person on the mat just kind of lays there and lets them do it. I, I like that Liger was struggling and Pillman struggles to get out. And if, if I remember, he doesn't actually get that move locked in. Do you guys remember him doing it or not? I don't remember. I don't remember. Nope. I don't remember. Mm -mm. 
Okay. Uh, uh, Pillman's belly to back looked fucking great. With the one where Liger comes back into the ring and Pillman just catches him. Uh, yeah. The crowd, they got a huge reaction from the crowd. Uh, Jim Ross uses the word retard correctly uh, <laughs> by explaining that it is, it, it, I mean, he says he's using it to, it's, it is to slow, hold back, or delay in progress or development. And I thought Jesse was about to use it incorrectly. And luckily, Liger locks in the figure four, which is what all wrestling commentators much immediately acknowledge because it's the greatest submission move ever made. I don't know if you could hear that. That was not my medication. I'm being sarcastic. Uh, there were many times that someone went over the top rope to the outside in this match, and not one time did we get a ref's discretion, which I thought was a relief, but to the point where it was such a problem that now we're acknowledging that it didn't happen, or when it doesn't happen is a little much. Uh, who is the crowd rooting for, and who's the crowd rooting against in this one? Uh, because it's it's really cool, but they kind of get their fill of the the mirror spots where Liger and Flying Brian will do the same things, like the double drop kick from the top rope while the one person standing in the ring. They go to drop kick, uh, they go for another one, uh, a jumping spin kick, and they both hit each other. And the crowd's like, "Eh, I like those. I don't know. It always." Kind of shows I've paid attention to you. We're equal. Blah blah blah. This is going to be a situation where the the best person is going to win. Uh, Liger and Pillman try to give each other a Styles clash at the same time, which was really weird. I thought someone was about <laughs> to get really hurt. Yeah, I, I could tell you know what spot I'm talking about too. I remember uh, it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. There's a there's a lot of near falls and false finishes in this match. So Jim Cornette must have really fucking hated it. Uh, because I liked it. It's for a championship, man. I mean, like, even if I just took a brutal move, I'm going to try to kick out if I'm trying to win or hold on to a championship. It just makes sense to me. Uh, the ref starts to do the pin count while Brian Pillman is in the middle of his seven-point turn of a pin combination. He finishes the three before Brian even gets the bridge on the lock. Uh, this is a really good match to kick off. A, a pay-per-view especially one that's gonna wind up being and kind of held as high regard as super brawl 2 is um so i i really really enjoyed it i gave it a seven charlie what'd you think okay so the retard comment <coughs> coming right off the- i've been i'm so glad he mentioned it because i didn't write it it's down austin running down there's no pose <laughs> no, there's no here it comes I, I don't i don't like shakespeare um <laughs> oh. the, the uh so the reason I didn't write it down is because um, I, so basically the way that it worked for me, I heard him say retard yep. and I rewound it and turned on closed captioning. You know what the closed captioning said? What does it say? My whole crowd noise. Retired. <laughs> <laughs> so I just took it at its word. I went, okay, I didn't say retard. But <laughs> after hearing Jason say that, yeah, he said retard. Yeah, I, mean, I just love that they've got people doing the subtitles going, what's that? retire. It means the same thing. How convenient. Yeah. And the way that he used it. Um, this is such a great match. The WWF wasn't really doing anything like this at the time. Um, I will I'll actually go out on a limb and say this is probably the my favorite opening match that we've had this season. Like like for an open like this is everything an opening match should be. Um the first note, note I, I noticed uh, that I took was that 
so Flying Brian actually goes to the top rope in the first minute when Liger's outside, and the ref won't let him be for Flying Brian. The ref stops him and takes him down from that top rope. Well, yeah. I, I, the ref said, hey, buddy, you said you were going to mat wrestling. Do it. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm sure that's how that went. I uh, did notice the Ventura Predator references. I don't know how you couldn't. Because um, he, he kept saying Jushin Thunder Liger, he looked like the Predator, which, he, yeah, he, he kind of looks like the Predator, but he also has the height and stature of the original Predator, which was Jean-Claude Van Damme. Uh, he's only like 5'6", five, 5'7". Five, um, I love the fucking, even in a match with a Japanese wrestler, Jim Ross still finds a way to make a football reference and he relates it to the Japanese wrestler. So I'm like, oh, I'd love to see that. I'd love to see a Japanese guy on the football field. That's you know, I couldn't think of a, of a player, and I didn't bother to look it up. Uh, this this was great, uh, I, and I, I really think Jesse Ventura. The one thing in his commentary that was uh, annoying in this match, and this was the only thing because I thought his commentary was fine, was I really think he likes saying the name Jushin Thunder Liger. That's the only thing it seems like he says more than Predator references. He doesn't call him Liger. He doesn't call him Jushin. He just Jushin Thunder Liger. And it's like, it is a pretty cool name to say. Yeah. Yeah. So um, I gave this an eight. Okay. It feels like there's a lot to unpack here. I'll start with when this title was first first uh, created in the fall of 91, it felt similar to when it would be created years later in WWF. It's built pretty much around one guy, and there doesn't seem to be a ton of direction over who he's going to feud with. Z-Man... Eh, not so much, but we'll we'll get to that a few shows from now. Morton, not really. Johnny B. Bad, no. Pillman needed someone to really feud with and battle for this title. It was a great move by WCW to bring in Liger for a couple of shots with the company. Putting the strap on him became a short build for Pillman to get his title back, and a really good one. This match at any other time in any other company with any other guy than Liger would disintegrate into xenophobic, jingoistic madness. Thank God that promo by Pillman is never acknowledged. Liger is an incredible sight to fans. On the Bret Hart scale, he definitely hits a 10 for his look. When he makes his entrance, the fans, who I have to assume many hadn't seen him before or at best sparingly, don't know how to react. Some very audibly applaud. They know the goods. Of course, Pillman gets his pops. But once this thing gets going, those on the fence about Liger are cheering for him as much as they are cheering for Pillman. You can't call this a 50-50 split. They are universally cheering for both guys, everybody. Even the silly USA champ that tries to make its unwelcomed way into the match is snuffed out by Jesse, who pretty much renders it irrelevant. I'll get back to Jesse in a moment. The match itself crosses over so many different styles of wrestling. It's mat-based in the beginning. It becomes working a body part. Then it becomes a trade-off of aerial maneuvers and even delves into some strong style maneuvers as well. What both Pillman and Liger do really well is set up a move, not necessarily connect right away, but pay it off a short while later. They also do for they also do for the same. They also do the same for the um, they also do the same exact maneuver at least two times in this match. What it all adds up to is magnificent pro wrestling storytelling. What it is going to what is it going to take to put both these men away? I buy the finish, too. If someone legit misses a diving headbutt, which in Liger's case would be more like a fatality than a finisher, you would be stunned enough to succumb to a cradle bridge like Pillman executes. The sportsmanship at the end seems true, legitimate, 
and really symbolic of the effort they both put in. The crowd hanging on every move throughout the 20 minutes they put in is very respectful too and gives both men the and they both they give the they give both men the ovation they deserve. Ventura now. Sneaky awesome commentary work here. Jesse had his classic heel commentator shtick where he'd side with one heel over the baby, baby face all match long. Except here, he couldn't really do that. And rather than be eye-rollingly trite and putting both, both men down, he does the opposite. He builds up both of them substantially and gives great insight for the fans regarding maneuvers and strategy. It's an incredible, awesome, nearly collegiate credit study level commentary in his first match that's called on a pay-per-view. For me, this is the WCW equivalent of Bret Hart versus Mr. Perfect at SummerSlam 91. For this to open the show the way it did with the crowd it had is truly a marvel. It's a 10 out of 10 for me. Jason, what did you give it? A 7. 10. Wow. Yeah, I mean, it would... I, I, I would not argue that. I think it's it's close. I think it's as good as Brian and Triple H. I think it's close to Owen and Brett. Owen and Brett's a ten. Yeah. I, I think those are like the t- like opening match ten. Oh, you're talking about openers. Yeah. Oh yeah. For openers. I mean, Brett and Owen's different. That's personal. It's very personal. And so it's storyline. It's. Oh, I mean, but but match wise, it's yeah. yeah. So now we go back to Tony and Eric who comment about the previous match. They shoot it to Missy with the $1 man, Terry Taylor, who is taking on Marcus, wow. Marcus Bagel. You, you, you devalued him <laughs> way more than, I think I put the $100 man. Oh. He's only worth a buck? Well, dude, what is that, that jacket? That jacket what? looks like it should be squeaking. Like, it reminds me of the Leatherman skits from SNL where they come in walking and every time they take a step or something, you hear like leather, like balloons rubbing together. Looks so cheap. It looks like his, looks like his father's jacket. I mean, it, it looks a little big on him. It, he even tried and, to make Bagel his Virgil. And he's got, yeah. <laughs> and he's got Taylor in his name. And the suit still doesn't look like it fits. Exactly. <laughs> but it's not spelled the same, Charlie. It began. <laughs> I'm taking so it literally. This next bit, you, you posted about it. I took a screenshot of it just so I could come back to it. Oh, God, this fuck. Oh, Barry Adams. Barry Abrams. <laughs> oh, Barry Abrams. Oh, whatever. I, I like how Charlie Abrams. tries. To, Charlie tries to give him credit for being the Flash. My name is Barry Abrams, and I'm the fastest <laughs> ring announcer alive. Barry Abrams from Syracuse University has his chance, his big moment. He gets to announce the next match, being the winner of some contest WCW put on. This is this is a really cool idea. Oh yeah. Unfortunately, at first. Uh, I didn't know why the crowd was sort of booing him. And then the camera zoomed out to reveal him wearing a tuxedo with basketball shorts. I think the cameraman knew what he was doing. <laughs> like, I bet they're wondering whether he's being booed. And it's very slow. While he's drinking a Miller High Life, he's like, you know what? You know what's going to be good? Watch this shit. So, so here's the, whose decision was this, do you think? Was it his? Was he like, I'm going to go out there. This is going to get me over? Or was it, yeah, the no pants? Man, or was it someone else fucking with him? It's just crazy because his, his announcing actually isn't that bad. I, I thought he, I, I thought it was Those okay. Are, I was actually really surprised. I, it's It's man. been a bit since I heard, but I, I was not. I was surprised. I, I, and then, but, well, of course, when they pulled back, I was like, he went from potential WWE Hall of Famer for this to... Uh, uh, you know, he's now a Warrior Award. Yeah, I was really Because <laughs> <laughs> of those shorts. I mean, he doesn't like spinner. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that'd be good. 
I like yeah. the spinner head. <laughs> the, I mean, this is the thing. Like, this is your big moment, and you want to clown around like this, man. Oh, it's so embarrassing. So he do, I, I wrote this, and I, I, maybe you guys can clarify this. I don't think he he even finishes Bagel's last name. I think he just says Marcus Alexander. I don't even think he gets. To, he then changes like, and so this is what is really funny. Like when you're an announcer, you have a cadence. We've made fun of Chimmel. He has a cadence the way you would say mankind. Yeah. Superstar. Yeah. Right. And, and Lillian Garcia had her own, you know, everybody has their own kind of cadence when they do this. Howard Finkel is the best, best. ever. This guy changes his cadence to bring out the tailor-made man. It's a totally different way. He talks, and, and, and I don't know if this was... A, a, Can I throw a special shout-out to the ECW announcer? Oh! <laughs> I forget his name, yeah. but man, nobody did it like that. Anyway, oh, sorry. I loved when he'd introduce Rob Van Dam. Yeah. I don't know why, but yeah. just... Rob! He was yeah. just as excited yeah. as yeah. I was. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Funny enough, though, because I, I got curious. I was like, I wonder what happened old Barry. Oh, boy. Works for ESPN. He landed on his feet good. He doesn't have to wear pants as if he's working at the desk. He he like he's got a pretty decent role with him. So God, really, things worked out well for Barry. Barry did all right. Good going, Barry. You made something of yourself. All right, here we go, Charlie. You're up next, and you've got Marcus Alexander Bagel versus the Taylor Made Man. Shit. Uh, I don't. I wish I was more specific. I must have been tired. <laughs> I have a note. Excellent Jesse Ventura commentary. <laughs> Uh, and I put makes you think. <laughs> I don't know what was. I wrong. guess it doesn't. <laughs> I, I really don't know what I was thinking. Um, Jesus Christ! Let's talk about this move. Uh, Terry Taylor gives the worst top rope splash I think I've ever seen. This is the money shot, like opposite. <laughs> he just he like lands on his feet. And he just kind of like wobbles the, the for bank, a second. The bankruptcy. The, yeah, yeah, the money. <laughs> the pain, yeah, the pink slip. Or, yeah. <laughs> um, I have a note. Terry tried. Uh, and I, call, I I don't remember. There must have been something awful that Bagel, Bagel, a combination of Bagwell and Bagel. There must have been something bad he did because I wrote botch Bagwell. I feel like you're what the janitor in Billy Madison. <laughs> like, this is this, these notes are like. <laughs> <laughs> Buff likes to drink soda. <laughs> <laughs> this isn't. This is a bad leadoff for me. I get it. <laughs> it gets better. So strong. Uh, four out of ten. <laughs> is that the end? Yeah, all right. Well, Jason, what do you think of your buddy Bagel here? Oh, it's all right, Charlie. Peeing your pants is real cool. Look, everybody, I peed my pants too. I'm my oh. Pants. No kidding. <laughs> uh, Milwaukee, right off the bat, booing old Bagwell. Way to go, Milwaukee. You're the town. Uh, the tailor-made man, or as I've abbreviated him in my notes, TTMM, uh, when he comes out, he unbuttons his jacket and shirt and points to his cummerbund. Did he forget he doesn't actually wear his title? Like, I was about to write the joke. I was like, he doesn't have a belt. And within seconds after I wrote that down, Terrence Taylor, U.S. Tag Team Champion with Craig Valentine, would they be wrestling tonight? Nah, because we got to let Marcus Alexander Bagwell come out here and look completely different than he did three weeks ago and suck. Uh, not just because I I don't like, uh, don't like old Buff, if we've said, but 
he sucks because he named his finisher after his high school football mascot. So the good news is, is we're probably not going to hear his college football stats because he did go to college. Thank God. Uh, but Terrence Taylor, excuse me, the TTMM, uh, changed his finishing move name. The five arm was a great name for a finishing move. That's a flying forearm. Cool. Because he comes now, it's the Taylor made forearm. <laughs> Why is that so stupid? One, it's really long. And two, it's back to forearm. That's one less. It's mm-hmm. worse. But uh, I think maybe this is the uh, the botch or one of the mini botches, Charlie, is uh, Bagwell overshoots a sunset flip. That's Terrence it. Taylor, Terrence Taylor helps him out <clears throat> by wiggling backwards and falls, and the crowd immediately go, you know what? We're done with this. Yeah. Because a pay-per-view match is not a place where you train people. It's it's really not uh, because then Buff wins. I, I, I'm just going to call him Buff. Fuck it. Just let the hatred come through. Buff wins the match, but he tries to get his own heat back as he doesn't realize that he's won the match or the TTMM gives him a few good shots right to his face to teach a lesson. I gave this piece of crap too. I'll say one more thing about the uh, Terry Taylor. They do make a mention that he is an 11 year veteran. I couldn't help yep. but think. He's probably wrestling just as good now as he was during that first year. Yeah. Yeah. Which, and so what was funny was I had just listened to the Raw Attitude pod where he comes, like, when Evil Jim Ross is a thing. <laughs> you love Evil Jim I Ross. I love Evil Jim Ross because <laughs> it's such a failure. Um, when he comes out and he, like, beats up Michael Cole and tries to take back the, the, the announce table, Terry Taylor comes out and has him removed. And Terry Taylor has a new commentary. With Jim, oh. and, and Jim Ross like, what, what's the Red Rooster going to do? Huh? What's he going to do? Like, he buries him. He buries him immediately. That should be our 200th yeah. episode. Yeah. Just that. Just I want to hear that. Clip. I want to hear the commentary from Terry Taylor. <laughs> Foul ball. <laughs> <laughs> the best. The only funny fucking thing in Major League Two is Bob Uecker passing out from too much alcohol. Oh. <laughs> uh, all right, so come on, you didn't like Jesse Ventura in Major League Two? Oh, uh, White Thunder, Black Lightning, or whatever the hell that was. Uh, yeah, it would have been better if it was Wesley Snipes. Like, True, that's Omar Epps for Wesley Snipes is a bad call. <clears throat> yeah. They should have just taken the character out. Yeah, yeah. All right, so here are my notes, real quick. So this was a bit of a come down from Pillman Liger, to say the least. If if that was Brett versus Perfect, this is like Texas Tornado versus Dino Bravo. Oh, <laughs> They're both dead. <laughs> well, <laughs> uh, Taylor toys with Bagel for most of the match before Bagel is able to sneak by with a victory. In typical Terry Taylor fashion, he has to get his heat back by destroying Bagel afterwards. Props to Jesse for calling out Judy Bagwell in 1992. Yes. Yeah. This is a very, this is a passable four. That was what I wrote. Passable four? I think I was so... I had the only four I would ever recommend. Like, <laughs> like, like, and I think the only reason I say that is because I, I love the first match so much that like kind of that carry over. Carries over. I'll, I'll say this. Like a really bad match can honestly almost be saved by great commentary. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, and I, cause I also like Jesse goes back to being Jesse, like yeah. bury the baby face, build up the heel, that whole thing. Mm-hmm. Um, 
All right. So we go to Missy Hyatt, who is excited to be out of uh, outside of Lex Luger's dressing room. Again, no one has apparently seen Luger recently, but she sees Harley Race and asks him what kind of shape Luger is in. Race, Did you write the speech? Yes. Oh, good. Race says Luger will walk into the ring tonight as world heavyweight champion, and he will walk into the ring tomorrow night as world heavyweight champion. Because why is that? He's the world heavyweight champion, Lex Luger. <laughs> Nail Hydra. <laughs> That's really funny. <laughs> he is the world heavyweight champion. That's mine. Fuck you. I mean, that's the most A plus B plus C type of promo I've ever I heard. I love that he's ready to go. Yeah. Like, I keep thinking he's like right off the camera, like getting ready. Yeah. To- I feel like he, he has a cigarette like off camera, just ready to put right back into his mouth. Put that cigarette out. <laughs> Dude. It was what, like 40 seconds in yeah. that? Yeah. Yeah. He, I mean, he probably has that Winston just... Just Winston. <laughs> <laughs> he probably has that Winston cigarette just... Just hanging off camera. He's so large. <laughs> what is that? Hey, pass me another Miller. Huh? <laughs> we got any more? I got exactly a beer. World Championship Wrestling. <laughs> oh, God. All right. What, what happened to me? Third match, Cactus Jack. <laughs> what did he do? Did you not? <laughs> no, I wrote, I, so I watched it. I just. <laughs> versus Ron Simmons. <laughs> I'll hear you writing now. I'm writing. <laughs> All right, here we go. So, yes, up next we have Cactus Jack versus Ron Sim. It saddens me to call this a filler match, but it is. Honestly, Cactus, outside of occasional brawls with Van Hammer and Abdullah the Butcher, has been somewhat aimless. Somewhat. I don't want to go overboard and say he's been underutilized. Honestly, with the stacked upper mid card as well as the main event picture, that is basically two stables at war. This is going to happen to guys like Cactus Jack and Ron Simmons. It will. Nowadays, we get so unglued about guys that aren't pushed. All that aside, this is a pretty solid semi-brawl. Jesse back in classic heel commentator mode keeps questioning Ron Simmons, Ron Simmons and his underhanded tactics of punching Cactus while he's stuck in the ropes and smashing Cactus's face in the guardrail. He has JR on the ropes as well as he persists about whether this is what Bobby Bowden teaches at FSU. Cactus is still tough as nails and even eats a spine buster on the ramp that he immediately recovers from and continues his assault on Simmons. Simmons gets the win with a power slam after catching Cactus off the middle rope. It's a good finishing spot. We'll see a better one in a few months. That's for a very significant uh, event. Simmons, although a little stymied coming off his brief run challenging for the world title, is still looking solid. He looks like a guy who could be a great challenger for either the U.S. or world title at this point. After the match is what really makes this match worthwhile. Simmons picks up the win, but Cactus immediately gets his heat back back by attacking Simmons after the bell. Abdullah comes down with a frightening smile on his face. Of course, it's questionable where his loyalties lie after the past few months. Nevertheless, Simmons dials up a play from Sting's playbook and assumes Abdullah is is on the up and up. Wrong. He bashes bashes Simmons with his cane and and it becomes a two-on-one. Now, flashback to the middle of the match. I hadn't mentioned this yet, but suddenly we cut to the crowd and we see the junkyard dog with not the best of seats looking on intensely while wearing a white tuxedo and a red bow tie. Jesse has a field day with this. After the two-on-one occurs after the match, as we're all trained as fans of professional wrestling, we're expecting a save of some kind for the babyface. Look no further than Sylvester Ritter who makes a beeline for the guardrail 
destroying some personnel along the way. He enters the ring and unleashes a house of fire with punches and headbutts that look like the real thing on Cactus and Abdullah. The crowd becomes completely unglued, and a solid and overwhelming chant of JYD fills the arena. If you get a chance, this is worth watching because this is a very serious and fired up JYD, unlike what we're kind of accustomed to from the WWF you know, scope of things. It's the WCW equivalent of Optimus Prime smoking Decepticons to You Got the Touch. This is an awesome moment that comes after a pretty solid match. Taking that into account, I give this a 7 out of 10. Jason, what do you think of it? Well, if that's Optimus Prime killing Decepticons so you got the touch, does that mean JYD is going to die on a table in a few minutes and turn gray and make every child cry? He does die <laughs> about seven years later in a plane crash. Yeah, so right. Or not this a plane crash, or a car crash, car crash, car crash. Oh. <laughs> remember, because you guys remember, like he pops up in an ECW show for a minute. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> oh, you got the touch. Mm, means something different now in the Me Too era. Uh, Mick Foley going right for the suicide spot. What is this like? 45 seconds into the match where he gets his neck twisted up into the ropes and Ron Simmons, <laughs> Ron Simmons does it. His ear. This is how he killed his ear with Vader. I'll do it again. Yeah. And it's like Ron just goes like just a punch in a way. It's, like, it's kind of funny. Uh, well, meanwhile, they're selling the rest of us. Uh, at this point during the uh, commentary, this is where Jesse Ventura starts to force Jim Ross to participate in his references because he's not just throwing them out there. He's like, right? Right, Jim Ross? Yeah. In this I, was Cap- I was Captain Justice. But he, he, no, Captain he say, like, You know a lot about pro football, but you're from Minnesota. Like, he kind of buries it's, him. It's not that match. It's another one. That, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. oh, I think man. I got that. Somebody. I can't wait to complain about oh, that. Oh, man. Sorry, Jason. Go ahead. Sorry. sorry. <laughs> no, it's all right. Uh, this is when and Jim Ross, though, shows where like where he can be the Jim Ross that that we know. Calls Cactus Jack the valedictorian from Charles Manson High School. <laughs> like, fuck. Uh, you know that that's it's pretty clever. It's pretty weird about how he's doing it. Uh, I called uh, Cactus Jack's response to the spinebuster on the apron the reverse cell where it seemed to invigorate him and goes right into it. Uh, you know, Cactus is a big dude. You don't think about it because, you know, and it's easy to get Mick Foley caught up in the the size of the dudes, the WWF during when he comes over as mankind. But he's like, I mean, he's 303 pounds and Ron Simmons just kind of catches him in midair and power slams his ass. Uh, that is definitely a way to finish someone that big. Uh I didn't find the JYD coming down to the ring as epic as, as you did, Will, uh, because I want to know why JYD is coming to help him. Uh, is it just because it's the right thing to do? Is it because they're both black? Yes. Is it because See, I mean, it's, you don't have to think too hard, man. I mean, let's not, let's not, right. I mean, come on. Yeah. They don't count Abdullah for some reason. Right. Right. Just, right. I mean, right. I mean, clearly that's what they were shooting for. Like they're, I, because I put one right. I'm like, where does this go? I know. But I also want to know why is JYD come to a wrestling pay per view in Milwaukee in a tuxedo and a white tux? Like, I like a Jesse's commentary. Was he? Is he a usher? <laughs> it's it's fucking brutal. Drinks? <laughs> yeah, it's, 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 it's far away as it is. 
It's like, did they go, all right, we'll put JYD here. Holy crap, we actually sold out an entire section. We can't put him in the front row. Um, so he takes his time moseying down to the ring and goes in. I will give him credit for taking off his tuck shirt and keeping the bow tie on. <laughs> Fucking sweet. It was so, like, I'm going to try that. I'm, I'm not going to lie. I think that'll be a good thing for me. Uh, be my gimmick with the ladies. Hey, watch this. Ha <laughs> And he was in a lot better shape than he when he was when we first saw him in yeah. that uh, man tag, like he looks like someone who's like, all right, you know what? Uh, I'm, I'm ready for a comeback. Um, what's weird though, is here's Ron Simmons, super powerful built up. We know he's, we know he's strong. He's Bobby Bowden's favorite person in the whole fucking world. Um, and he's just like, he's weeping into junkyard dogs chest after he chases away Mick Foley and Abdullah the butcher. Uh, He's just sitting there. He looks so weak. He, I mean, I know he came to save him, but I don't know. It just kind of underwhelmed it for me. Uh, I gave this bad boy a four. I, I just oh, want to. Here, here, somebody just want to think about for a second. Like, I don't. I have not seen the JYD stuff from uh, UWF. I've heard it's phenomenal. I've heard it is like he is the Hulk Hogan of that brand. He had incredible connections with the crowd like i mean and, and he was like jim duggan like ted dibiase like the same sort of thing these guys were a lot there's part of me that i'd like to think that ron simmons was maybe some kind of a wrestling fan and probably the jyd was the junkyard dog was probably his favorite wrestler and i don't know like I, i'm sorry like i know he's a big tough guy but even big tough guys i kind of have an emotional moment like when you're kind of in the ring with somebody you've looked up to you know if you grew if you not necessarily grew up watching wrestling because it's not like it was that many years beforehand, but you know what I mean? Like it was somebody you kind of looked up to from afar because look, Hey, it's a successful African-American and professional wrestling. Now, Grant, I know it's UWF and you can debate success, but still, the 80s. I just, I, I, I think it's kind of a cool moment for him, man. I'm, I, that's just my, my take on it. But yeah, I, I understand. And Jim Ross, uh, really putting the exclamation point on the whole race thing as he screams, it's like fighting in the hood. But uh, yeah. this is going that's on. Age well, yeah. That, yeah. That, that, Where's Ranger oh, Rick when you need him? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, he's oh, often popping the golf war. You know, he might be uh, mentoring children of all types and kinds and races and creeds. Uh, recruiting for the WCW Special Forces, as we all know. Uh, but I wanted more of this match as far as these two going at it because a power guy in Ron Simmons versus a guy who can just absorb punishment and keep on coming like Cactus Jack. Those can, that those can be some pretty fun, intense matches. Um, but I mean, especially because as few matches on this card as there are, it barely gets any time um, in the grand scheme of things. So yeah. but I was looking at it. what do you think of it, Charlie? JR takes a swipe at Democrats. Does he? I forgot this swipe. Uh, is it? He does. <clears throat> So Cactus Jack is coming to the ring and Jesse says something like, you know, maybe Jack should run for office. And then and JR says something along the lines of, well, it'd be better than any than any Democrats that are up right now. He, he said something like that. I was like, oh, and, but wow. Isn't that funny? 92. Yeah. 92. You know, which I was like, it is, really? it is February. And I don't know if okay. he had the heat. I don't know. Like, cause <clears throat> primary colors kind of shows that like it was this really tight. Yeah. Primary. Mm-hmm. So maybe it's maybe it's plausible that he wasn't like the guy yet. Like, maybe not. I, um, I, I mean, this is also Ross Perot, you know, trying to screw things up with everybody. Um, 
Jesse Ventura makes a comment about Cactus Jack possibly running as a Republican because I would totally vote for Pat Buchanan, Cactus Jack 92. (laughs) (laughs) Pat Buchanan, what a prick. And Cactus Jack. And Cactus Jack. That's a bumper sticker. That is Buchanan Cactus 92. Bang, bang. (laughs) Second Amendment. (laughs) Uh, So, um, all right, you guys are going to have to explain this sports shit to me again. Okay. Uh, why are some of the fans doing the tomahawk chop in Wisconsin? Because Ron Simmons is a symbol. <laughs> yeah, it's because one thing that's tough, like I I'm, I was trying to remember this. I really was from the house show I went to. Because do you remember? It was rather hard to. Um, it was hard to find a chant for Ron Simmons. Ron oh, is hard to chant. Simmons, like, I'm, I mean, you could do "Let's Go Ron," but I don't remember the "Let's Go" thing being a big thing. Like, I think maybe Sting may have gotten it, but I don't remember a lot of other guys getting it. So I feel like the the Tom Lock Chop is like we gotta have okay, something. They got you gotta have something. You're right, right. Yeah. But clearly, geographically speaking, going back to previous episodes, we were really far away from Tallahassee. Pretty far. <laughs> but, with that because yeah Ron Simmons doesn't have a chance and maybe I'm gonna throw this out too Milwaukee Braves Braves did start up and all right hey man people I mean that's a that's a rich you're well well, (laughs) yeah there's also okay we could look at it like this way too um there is that thing where all sports teams that had Native American mascots were doing the chop uh so it could be a thing with the Seminole I'm not sure how far away Milwaukee is from Cleveland. They, you know, they could have been up there for the, the Indians. Uh, you know, they could have been Indians fans. Who knows? To help you out there, Charlie. What are your thoughts? Uh, so the actual match, like I said uh, during Jason's review, Cactus Jack is a fucking idiot. Uh, <laughs> why would Mick Foley repeat the rope spot? Has that happened yet? I think it has. Hasn't it? I don't think so. I can't check on the phone right now because we're doing, but the Japan man sure, hasn't happened. I don't yet. know. I don't know. I'm, I'm pretty sure they would be talking about him missing an ear to keep going with this crazy man thing that they're do, doing. Do maybe. I don't. Maybe. Yeah. But he, he, okay. So it's not, it's not as bad as I thought. But at the same time, it's still, it's like why he ever thought this was a good idea. And I think a lot of the things that McFoley did in WCW were dumb. Uh, even though I still like the guy, but this was just like, what the hell? Um, there's a spine buster that Jack takes on the apron or sorry, on the, um, what do you call it? The, the ramp, the ramp. And it looks dangerous as all hell. Uh, because there's like, it, it looks completely flat, but there's a point where it kind of raises up a little bit. And that's right where Jack's head hit. And it looked nasty. Uh, I, I somewhat agree with Jason. It felt like this match should have been longer, um, but the feud I don't think is where it should be to justify the length. Other than that, <clears throat> I think the I think the match is actually quite fun to watch, and it, it is fun to see a guy like Jason said, like C- Cactus Jack, who can take a lot of uh, punishment, and just get picked up and tossed around by a guy like Ron Simmons. It is very satisfying. Um, let's see. I do love J- J- JYD just punching out the security guy uh like if you hit a ref you get fined but if you punch a security guy it's a, eh, he's just eh. developmental talent anyway. <laughs> that's Who cares? right um 
too quick. Match was too quick. But I, 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 I don't really have a problem with it because, like I said earlier, feud's not where it should be. It's a good match. I gave this a six. Cool. Well, Jason, is that about it for you, buddy? Yeah, man. I'm sorry, everybody. I don't get to talk about the Z-Man's epic promo on Jesse Ventura's finances on the way to his green. Jason, let me uh, ask you this. Do you have, uh, you wouldn't happen to have ratings for the rest of the match? I don't have the strength to go through all that with you. Uh, I can say this, though. I'll give you the well, like, dude, I I took okay. my pain medication a while ago, and then our delayed start has really pushed it. Uh, but uh, I will say the the Sting winning uh, that match. I oh God, that match. Uh, I think I got that one down as uh, seven. Okay. So that. Sorry, I'm I'm out of it. But guys, thanks a lot. I appreciate it. Sorry for the hassle. No, no, it's, 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 we just hope you get better, bud. Yeah, get better. Better. I'll then, live stream the stream when I pass it. <laughs> That's hot. Go Braves. <laughs> All right, so we're back. Uh, traditionally now with the microphone, the computer, we don't have Jason, unfortunately, so it's going to be Charlie and I throughout the rest of this uh, episode here. So again, sorry, folks. <laughs> Shit. <laughs> sorry, Jason. <laughs> Shit. <laughs> We're off and running. Okay. All, All right. right. <coughs> so we're picking up. We just we did just finish up with Ron Simmons and Cactus Jack. So now we go back to Tony and Eric who talk about JYD and speculate on what is going on with Abdullah and Cactus. They then send it back to Gary without much more to say. So up next here we have uh, Vinny Vegas and Richard Morton taking on the electrifying combination of Van Hammer and the Z-Man. So Jason would ordinarily take this match. Do you want to do this one or do you want me to do this one? How do you want to do it? <clears throat> Just real quick, one question. I want to know if you picked it up. Did you pick up what Z-Man was saying into the camera? Okay. Because I could not make it out. I don't know exactly, but it was like... um, Okay, so first let's say that Jesse destroys Vinny Vegas in his look. And then the Z-Man is like yelling at the camera about, Where'd you get the Harley, Jesse? Where'd you get it? (laughs) Uh, Why is he doing that? I don't know. Maybe he he is finally rebelling against his usual. I need to promote WCW show while the show is going on and just promote thing. himself. <coughs> or maybe he just needs to prom- <coughs> he's becoming a heel. This is his way. Like I'm gonna get over as a heel by doing this by knocking the heel commentator very inaudibly. Yeah, and <laughs> could not make it out. Although I I thought it was about Jesse. Um, I mean I can take it. Uh, <laughs> Although I did, I, real quick, I call I referred to Vinny Vegas as Kevin R. Scheister. <laughs> <laughs> I like how you kept the R. <laughs> the KRS. Um, probably my favorite Jesse Ventura quote of the night is right here, because there ain't no money in bodybuilding. <laughs> and then he says it again. To try to get a rise out of Jr. and it's very clearly a swipe at the at the uh, Vince McMahon's Bodybuilding Federation, and uh, probably Schwarzenegger. Uh, may, were they feuding at the time? I don't. Well, you know, you've always heard the thing about Predator. Where like, oh, well, they kept trying to. Oh, that story is so good. Where he would go to the gym, yeah, and like try and like he would just kind of get in Arnold's head. Well, Arnold paid a guy to tell Jesse on the set that Jesse is bigger than Arnold. 
You know, he's like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Arnold says that you're you're bigger than him. And Jesse got so excited when, when the guy told him that. But he had no idea that Arnold paid the guy to tell him that. <laughs> maybe. I maybe. <clears throat> well, I think Arnold did all right. Uh, so Van Hammer... Uh, this is awful, um, and it's this is not, this really isn't his fault. Uh, the cameraman misses his pyro coming out of his guitar, and it does this weird. The cameraman just goes <laughs> fuck it, and he does this three sixty yeah, move. The high life was uh, kicking in. <laughs> <laughs> he does this three sixty with the camera, and I don't know what the fuck's going on. But he basically, I can. How would he do this? Would he hold the the camera just and he just. Because the whole thing spins around, and then we're right here on Van Hammer, and he, and he pulls it I, back. I think it could have been possible to rig it if it was on a, like, there's some if, type of tripod rig right. for it. I think it's possible, but it just doesn't sound that's like getting into some hardcore. Yeah. yeah. No, not at the time. Um, a We Will Rock You stomp. Even in watching old wrestling, I can't get away from the fucking Queen music. <laughs> the crowd refuses to let us forget about Queen in 2019. Yeah. <laughs> it's like that whole crowd time traveled. Sat down and pissed me off. Yeah, I am so fucking sick of hearing Queen music. Mr. Robot! <laughs> <laughs> I remember. I love Fred Robot. <laughs> Fred Robot. <laughs> oh, God. Uh, uh, I could not tell if this was a botch or not. Uh, Vinny Vegas and Van Hammer do this weird... Uh, it's Kevin Nash. Kevin Nash, Vinny Vegas. He, go he tries to do a leapfrog. And then Van Hammer just... Headbutts him in the in the stomach. I wrote this is the best of luck spot of the night. This, Kevin Nash. Kevin Nash attempting a leapfrog in on any, any, any yeah <laughs> <laughs> on any human. Yeah, I mean it's a risk. And Van Hammer just I'm not going under that. <clears throat> it's, well, okay, um, okay. So Vinny Vegas uh, played pro basketball in Europe. I mean, I know that Kevin Nash played basketball, yep. but was it in Europe? Well, he played for the University of Tennessee. Mm -hmm. It would not be surprising if he went to play. That in doesn't Europe. sound made up. There, because uh, I, I am not one hundred percent familiar with his background. But if so, if he didn't graduate, because the NBA at that time you couldn't you you had to go well you had to go through all four years to go right. into the NBA. You want to make money, you can go over and play in Europe. Right. So that'd probably be a wise strategy. Based on well, the real reason I mention it is uh, Jr. I think he's the one that brings it up. And he couldn't be any less excited because it's not football. Hey, He's not excited. Hey, man. Hey, man. Is, what, you know, is it a pigskin? Well, fuck it. <laughs> I'm from Oklahoma. Boomer sooner. No, it's, he mentions the basketball thing, and it's with such little enthusiasm. Like, it's not a real sport. You know, it's, not, it's not like it's football or anything. Uh, I love Jesse Ventura saying... Well, he needs it's it's literally out of nowhere. It's a, it's a bad pull, but he finishes it so strong. He goes, "Oh yeah, yeah Van Hammer needs Aerosmith. No, 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 they need Van Halen." Well, now come to think of it, I think they need Twisted Sister. And I was like, "He, that's who he looks like. He looks like D. Snyder." Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, that's not not very good. Uh, I do like Jesse Ventura's comment. I said it off air. About when Richard Morton grabbed uh, Z-Man's hair mm -hmm. to pull him off the cover, and he's like, "That's act, that's great tag team wrestling. It's smart." And I'm like, "Oh, that's a good call." Uh, but the match, it's it's not very good. Uh, I gave it a four. I I just wanted Richard Morton gets beat with roll ups all the time. All the time. Mm -hmm. Like I, I, that is that's the, true. Somebody's figured it out. They cracked the code. It's like, "Hey man, you know how you get one over on Morton?" 
Small package. <laughs> small package. <laughs> Victory roll, Victory. small package. Uh... You ever tried an inside cradle? <laughs> the Undertaker does what Richard Moore. That's how The Undertaker... I don't know how to beat Richard Moore. But, but here's what I'm thinking. <laughs> Richard Morton tries to end the streak. <laughs> That would be a piece of cake. <laughs> <laughs> Trying to beat Richard Morton at WrestleMania. A retired Robert Gibson comes out of nowhere and gives him a spine buster. <laughs> this is what happens when Jason's not around. Okay. Can you imagine if that game like had a mode where you have to wrestle Richard Morton at WrestleMania and it's so hard. Like you can't beat him. Like I've tried the backslide. <laughs> and you're the Undertaker. I've tried the better. sunset flip. Me. <laughs> oh man. I, I I really don't have much I'll be honest. Do I you want to talk about uh Jesse Ventura railing on Vinny Vegas's attire? Yeah, it's weird. Like the he, brill cream. He builds him up as a heel, but then completely buries his look. It's really weird. Like it's it's I, I don't know how to explain like what he's trying to do with with uh, with Nash here. But. Let me ask you this, because uh, I, I had this thought. Um, do you think that the reason that they kept Kevin Nash around for so long was because of how big he was? Yeah. Do you think that's the only reason? Because we didn't know how talented he really was until he got to the WWF. Right. I mean, so, Tash had to, like, think about that through now, through the prism of 2019. The, there's a fear, like, we can't let anybody get away because we don't want AEW or somebody else to pick him up. That's true. Jason and I had a really cool conversation. I'm like, this is probably why there's 17 matches on the card. We want to give everybody something so they don't feel like they're being neglected and thus want to leave and go to AEW. Same thing. Think about it through here, though. This is a time period where Vince loves big guys. He loves... Yes, he does. He's already gotten The Undertaker. He's already taken Callaway away. Callaway. <laughs> we lost We lost Callaway. Shit. <laughs> but, but, but no, um... Nash, like, I, I think they recognize there's potential there, but of course, like, again, this, I mean, it's such a, it's, this is a tough ceiling to break through. Yeah. Because it just, it's loaded with talent in the upper mid card in the main event. But I'm sure they kept him around just merely be, so he doesn't go over there. Probably. It's just like, because they don't give him a lot to do. Like, Nash, he's a real trooper. He really does try everything. And I think with a couple of refinements, I think this Vinny Vegas character could have been awesome. I really do, but it's the WCW, uh, v- their take on a Vinny Vegas type character. Yeah. And it just feels Kevin R. Scheister. Kevin. <laughs> He's going to powerbomb your taxes. <laughs> what do you rate it? I still gave it a, f- I can't believe I gave five? it a five. That's like, all right. I still gave it, like, I, I guess I just called it good filler. Like, it's decent yeah. filler. Mm-hmm. All right, we go to Tony and Eric who talk about the grudge match between Barry Wyndham, Dusty, uh, Dustin Rhodes, uh, and then with Larry Zbysko and stunning Steve Austin. And really, like, the problem is it's really with Zbysko since it's he and Arn Anderson that broke Wyndham's hand at the Halloween Havoc caravan of interviews. We see the footage again. If you haven't seen it, <laughs> we've seen it now, like, I swear, four times. It's, it, re- it's a reminder that this is still the storyline we're working with. Yeah, yeah. That's what I, it feels like. Um, <clears throat> I'll just, like... All right, I'm going to start off with saying, like, this is good, but it's a flat payoff because this started at Havoc. This is, Austin feels wrong in here. Like, this isn't he's his He's the weak feud. link. Isn't that weird? Well, I mean, he's the weak link in the, sto- in the story. In the he's story great link. in the match. Yeah. Like, working with Dustin. But Rose, he feels I, like an also-ran. 
I mean, like, this is this is my biggest problem with this show is that I don't like the Steiners wrestling for the belt. It should be Dustin and Barry. They should be wrestling Arn Anderson and Larry Zabisco. Like, I don't like that Eaton and Zabisco have been kind of... Everything's been rearranged. Um, yeah, I wrote that Austin is like a fourth wheel... This really should have been Arn Anderson. I think it also speaks to a greater point as it comes to Austin and the game. <laughs> I think Austin's role in the Dangerous Alliance is a little forgotten because he just doesn't have feuds. And I maybe that's his knee injury. Remember we mm-hmm. I texted that like I didn't even realize at that house show he got injured in at uh, in Charleston. He actually had a dislocated kneecap. That's like crazy. That's awful. And he was still <laughs> like around. Like he didn't take substantial time off. He's been around, but. Um, Rhodes and Austin have great chemistry and bring a real energy to the match when they're facing off. Another big miss in this match is that Wyndham's hand is never part of the story of the match, other than him throwing... Towards towards the end, I think? Yeah, he throws right hands at Jesse's like, hey, wait a second, those are loaded right hands. You know, you shouldn't be allowed to use it. That yeah. that's I mean that's you know if this truly if this is truly the grudge match it is billed to be and based on the substantial time they're given, Austin and especially the Crunchers of Bisco should be working that hand and building heat with the crowd. You're not gonna get. You're not going to get a better crowd to do this with. Use them. I'm not gonna go too deeply into this, but I don't like the matches with multiple hot tags. I don't like. I don't like multiple hot tags. <laughs> it didn't seem like the match was gonna end. Yes. Yes. After the first one, I was just ready for it to wrap up. Um, so unless there's, unless there's something really interesting like next uh, that's coming after this, it just feels like this is a weak payoff. And the last thing I'll say is, Jr. tries to go for his usual. This is it. This is the match. He tries to go for the usual football tie-ins that usually would like phase Tony Schiavone out of commentary. Like they would just, you know, it would it, it would bury poor Tony. But unfortunately, Jesse Ventura is he's no, met his match. Yes, he has. <laughs> he takes his football references, chews them up, and vomits them all over the cowboy. Jr. tries to get in a snide remark that Jesse knows a, a lot about pro football, but he's from Minnesota, so he obviously doesn't know shit about college. Good try, Jr. Same thing with the multiple uh, referees lobbying. The, same thing with the multiple referees lobbying. He does. Remember, he says there should be multiple referees for a match like this. And Jesse is just—he uh, kills just, that. He just kills it. He buries it so badly. Um, it's the commentary that kind of salvages what is otherwise a boring grudge match. I'd say I—I I still gave it a five. Okay, uh, but. What did you think of it? Well, I'm going to get that out of the way real quick. So once that sports talk started, I, I love this. This is my favorite argument between two sports fans. Well, you're from the dumb fuck state, and your fucking state sucks with your college football. Well, you're from this state. Uh, I mean, I, these clearly are real. JR hadn't seen Coach. <laughs> the Minnesota Screaming Eagles. Screaming Eagles. We're a pretty good team. This is like the, the most, like, fingernail pulling straight out of your finger. Uh Shit to have to hear from sports fans is, is well, you're from here. Your your yeah. your college is awful. Your yeah. college cheats. That's another one I love. Yeah. Oh yeah. I how, how do you know that? Like right. it kills me. Uh, <clears throat> I have a couple more notes on this match than you. I was actually quite entertained here. Uh, <laughs> Capetta announces Dustin Rhodes as the neutral. <laughs> I had to rewind it to be sure. Yep. Uh, JR and Jesse Ventura have some classic back and forths here. Hmm. Jesse Ventura, don't you think Medusa looks nice? 
Uh, yep, back to Capetta. <laughs> he just cuts him off and bang, goes back to Capetta. Uh, Jesse won't let up on Medusa. Uh, he goes, uh, Medusa has been to the to the gym. Her chest looks great. JR, awesome rebuttal. Uh, a lot of bench pressing, I'm sure. <laughs> uh, but then Jesse has this, I, I love this overselling of um, Barry Windham. It kills me. Jesse goes, there's no better athlete in wrestling than Barry Windham. And the camera immediately cuts to his physique. <laughs> like that's a lot of Miller High Life, you know. Like I, I like they really put Barry Windham up and over a lot and make make him sound like he's one of the great wrestlers right. and this and that. To me, he's always just painfully average. And his physique, I'm sorry. I mean, it's not a bad physique, but a pro wrestling physique, it's shit. He's yeah. like an '80s. He reminds yeah. me of like an '80s good wrestler right. versus like, a '90s good like wrestler. That, that Skid Row fan that we like, oh, B- Buddy Landell. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's, yeah, he has like, the same kind a of good physique as that. Right. No doubt about it. But like best like, athlete. Yeah, better than Pillman. I mean, I think like it's one of those like because you hear this phrase, one of the best pure talents, one of the most natural talents. Like pound rock, for pound, the Rock has been called like the best pure athlete. I've okay. heard that one for a while. That's and, right. And those, I mean, like look. When you watch The Rock, like not the greatest pro wrestler, no, but, but he's he, an athlete. Oh my god! Like <clears throat> some of the, some. I mean, this isn't the best example, but when the ring is wet and he slides into a people's elbow, like that's, that's what a good so athlete. Cool. It's a good athlete and it's good showmanship. And his kip ups for yeah. like a two hundred like yeah. sixty pound man, and he he actually would make a kip up look effortless. Like he would do it fast. Shawn Michaels, the whole body, yeah, Hinkley Michael bottoms. <laughs> He has to put his whole get up. <laughs> Praise God. So here we go with this shit again. Uh, after a night of um, the, where the four previous matches, I swear somebody was somehow thrown over the top rope. Over the top rope is now DQ again, according to JR. Yeah. Uh, it kind of rears its head. You though. can clothesline a guy over the top rope, no problem. But if you actually throw the guy over, JR's going to lose his mind. And it's. Uh, I just want this to go away. Uh, I love this. This was an unexpected part of the match that uh, I couldn't help but notice. Stunning Steve Austin, master of the lariat. Uh, these lariats, that D- D- Dustin sells them almost the same way every time. Like, Rikishi, like Rikishi and uh, like Rikishi uh, No, and no, no Mercy. Mercy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, although I would have loved to see Dustin. Dustin was smart enough to go, I'm not doing that. He didn't sell it the same way when he was on the ramp. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he just went, oh, face down. No. Uh, Austin, and, and it's left-handed, too, which is interesting. Yeah, it's weird. <clears throat> Austin's throwing left-handed clotheslines. Yeah. I was like... I, I wasn't expecting that. This is a long it's match. It's really long. And, and I, I'm glad that you felt the way you did, because I thought I was just being an asshole. Um, the commentary is what saved it for me. Yeah. By far. Uh, I gave this a five. Yeah, I mean... Oh, one more thing I'll say. Jesse's right. Larry Zabisco is in the best shape I've ever seen him in. He looks amazing. And that's why it's like, what <clears throat> What was the problem? Like, why did we switch off of the feud? Because remember that awesome clash match with Steamboat and Rhodes versus Anderson and Zabisco. They take the mm-hmm. belts. It's awesome. It is a really good match. And it was like natural. It's like, okay, it's natural once they got the, 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 the tag belts got flipped. I didn't realize they flipped to Eaton and Anderson. <laughs> it was natural. It's like, doesn't Barry need to get Anderson, get a like a one-up on Anderson and Zabisco? Yeah. That's what that's what felt. Um, I wonder if incorrect. they were worried about the Steiners, like about the Steiners, like either bailing or not sticking around or whatever. <laughs> like we got to give them something to do. Well, <laughs> it's, and, and of course it's it's kind of delaying the inevitable then. But all right, you ready to go to the next one? Yeah. All right, let's. I'm good. So let's go back up to Tony and Eric, who are now sporting. Eric's got his Michigan Letterman's jacket on. Eric has gone bye bye. 
Tony Khan. Eric puts over the Steiners heavily, just being that he's a Michigan native himself. We go to Missy, who wants to interview Ricky Steamboat. She sees the ninja. I, I forgot what about this a, character. What a great name. <laughs> a lot of thought went into this. Stand- it's Victor Wong over there. You know? <laughs> Standing outside his door. He gives permission with a series of grunts for her to go interview Steamboat. But when the ninja opens the door to Steamboat's locker room, we see Ricky striking a bong. Nope, nope, sorry. Nope. He's just lighting some candles and setting a battery on fire or something. <laughs> <laughs> it's just weird. It is a little weird. And, and, and he's facing the door. He's a bong. <laughs> yeah, that would be great. This is how he does it. Miller, I like <laughs> That was at WrestleMania 3. <laughs> this is bullshit. This is what me and Savage did before. <laughs> Elizabeth joined in. <laughs> Ooh. Um, but this then is that this changes everything because this is apparently a no go for Missy as the ninja shuts the door and ushers her away. Missy spots Medusa and seems excited to speak with her. Medusa blows her off and walks up to the ninja. She goes through a series of choices here in her quest to see Steamboat. She tries seduction. She then offers him sushi. I was waiting for the real offer. <laughs> Weren't you? <laughs> then at, then she asks to see Steamboat. Yeah, that's then, where it took a turn. I then was like, demands. <laughs> and finally just slaps him. <laughs> it's uh, Again, with improv, it's always funny to see the progression of choices. It seems like there's a there's an order here that she just completely decided to... I think she forgot the order. <laughs> it's kind of a hodgepodge. I mean... There, yeah, because there was like a logical progression between the first two, and then the third one. This is like, oh, I skipped two pages. Fuck <laughs> it, <laughs> fuck it. Yeah, which is weird because once it's revealed who the ninja is, it couldn't be the same. No, no. Person. So this is where I think is where we'll talk about where okay. it may have happened. But okay. essentially, the ninja then chases her down the hallway. What he would do to her? Well, uh, that's why he's the ninja. <laughs> um. All right, so that sets up next our World Tag Team Championship match here. we got the Steiner Brothers versus Arn Anderson and Bobby Eaton with Paulie Dangerously. You want to lead off on this one? Sure. I don't have that many notes on this. Um, Scott Steiner does a -a tilt-a-whirl slam on Bobby Eaton on the ramp, and I can't believe Bobby agreed to take it. Uh, It looks so dangerous, and... uh, It's just... It's almost, like, uncomfortably dangerous. Mm -hmm. Um... This finish is pretty cool, and then out of nowhere, this DQ thing comes up. So basically what happens is Rick Steiner uh, gets blinded by, uh, what is that? Powder. Bar of soap? Just a, yeah, it's powder. It's powder? It, yeah, it's yeah. And then he, I mean, I've always wanted to see Randy Anderson get suplexed, so like that was a lot of fun to see. This is so dumb that this would be a DQ. And Jesse Ventura, he makes a decent argument. He said, doesn't matter. You can't touch the ref. I'm like, well, if that's the case, then sure, but that's illogical. Like and no, like I love that the refs all come in to like convene to have like a huddle. And yeah. They're like, hey, like, hey, man, he suplexed you. You're right. Let's disqualify. There's still like that powder like in the ring. It's so visible. It's just a crappy way to end the match. Uh, the the pacing of the match was strange. The best part of the match by far is Bobby Eaton taking the Frankensteiner. It's inc- it. The timing it might be off. the. It might be the best version I've seen of it. Uh, I had to rewind it because it was so smooth, so crisp, and it looked completely and utterly safe. 
and even though it looks like he lands on his head, you know he didn't. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's so Even's good. Another one like Barry Windham, where it's like not doesn't look great, but he is a. I think Barry Windham really good wrestler. Sorry, I, I think Bobby Eaton is ten times the athlete and wrestler that Barry Windham is. I, I I'm constantly impressed by Bobby. I think Eaton. Windham gets the pass because of his size. He's so he's a big, big. dude, and he can do a, he can do a flying clothesline. <laughs> You know, I, well, he does that superplex, which at the time was like a super. I'm sorry, a superplex will always impress me. Yeah. Uh, there's one later. A true superplex, not the I'm going to be on the second rope. Oh no, I'm talking top rope. Because well, because a lot of times, like, because that's not a superplex. You're like four feet off the ground. Right. I wonder. Yeah. I, there's never been clearly a delineation of like what that is compared. to I just want to see a superplex, superplex off the first rope. What would they call it? <laughs> I dare you to call that a superplex. Um, the the finish is just complete bullshit. Mm-hmm. I hate it. Uh, but the match was pretty good. I gave it a six. Um, so we got let's go back to the story real quick. So Paulie comes out with them, but Let me, we, I wanted to ask you a question about okay. that. Did Jesse Ventura screw up? What do you mean? He says right before the match that he asks Jr. Why is Paulie banned from all of the matches tonight? And JR goes, well, he's not banned from all of them. He's only banned from the U.S. title match. Oh, okay. Maybe he does. He I might. think he screwed up. But it it, it, it didn't feel like it was like super, like, it would have tipped you. I don't think it would have tipped you at the time. But I know what you mean. Not at the time. But I, th- I don't think he was supposed to say that. No. Because Paulie comes out with him, and then another referee, or no, the referee goes, who gives Capetta the message? Is I think it it's referee? Randy Anderson. Okay, so somebody talked to Randy and was like, hey, man, K. Allen Fry says, uh-uh. I love that name. It's, it's a, a great, great name. It's a great administrative name for somebody in wrestling. K. Allen Fry. <laughs> so they make the declaration that um, Paulie is banned from this match as well. But all is not lost because, strangely, Medusa, who was just chased away by the ninja, wow. walks down right. to the ring I thought that was weird, too. Nothing's going on. Like, I'm, not, I'm not being chased. <laughs> So, because Medusa ends up being the one who hands the the powder to him. Um, there's this is a typical Steiner brothers match. In it, that it's not special, unfortunately. Because we've now seen a lot of their matches, I think the luster. I'm not gonna say it's worn off, but we've started to see what we're starting to figure out. What's the formula? And there is a formula. They kill the guys early, mm-hmm. and they do the pose. And then somebody's going to slip on a banana peel. And then they get worked over to the hot tag. Did you like the Steiner line device? Yeah. Jesus. (laughs) I liked how they did it. Oh, God. Yeah, it was good. How about Jesse Ventura, like, completely undermining their education, in particular Rick Steiner? Oh, yeah. It it cuts a little deep. The boots, like, he goes all in on the boots. Yeah. Oh, yeah. (gasps) JR had a great line. This felt like a dialogue out of an airplane or something. He's just... Why is he wearing two different shoes? He's like, so why doesn't he just wear the same shoes? Jared goes, I don't know, but I bet he's got another pair at home. Yeah. And there's a great little pause, and I laughed out loud. I bet Jesse so, looked at him and was like, like that's pretty good. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> this is the most, this is the quintessential dusty finish. Like, when you look up what a dusty finish is, this is it. Where a face will get the win, but then a referee has to come in and say, no. Uh, 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 uh. Right. This is... <laughs> Dusty finishes don't age, age well, and I understand why they did them. It was a way to keep. It was a way to. It's great heat. Yeah, you know? it's it, it's to keep the thing going, but these things definitely have their mileage. Uh, you, you, there's only so much you can get out of them. I don't mind the dusty finishes. I just, <coughs> I, I mind them when when they're incredibly stupid, 
And this one just doesn't make any sense to me. I mean, the Steiner's journey is weird. Like, they were tag team of the year 91, even though, like, they were really only, like, half the year a tag team because right. Scott gets injured and Rick mm-hmm. goes off and does a pretty good singles run like, I for a bit. It, it was pretty it. good. He looked legitimate as a contender. But, uh, like, they've ever since they got back together, because this dangerous alliance and the Wyndham and the Steamboat was so hot, they felt like such an afterthought. Mm-hmm. They almost feel like they don't belong at WCW at this time because everything, well, you know what I mean? Like, it just feels like so much has changed. Well, there's nothing for them. Right. Um, and one, one last thing I'll say about this finish. Isn't this why we have a senior official? We always hear that term. Shouldn't Nick Patrick have come out and gone, no! I feel so bad for referees because they're made to look so stupid. Uh, that's true, too. Yeah, it's, it's, not, the, it's not their fault. It's just like, the way it's booked. Replay, but. for example. Why replay is so sparingly like it's 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 not consistently used. No, like in some matches we've seen when we used to watch Raw, like all of a sudden it's like, oh no no no, look at the replay. <laughs> it's right there on, the, on that big screen. Why are we looking at this now right. when there's a catalog of matches that have been decided by nefarious means that <laughs> they're all on the network? <laughs> all the referees don't have the network. Do remember, remember when, like in the early days when they were plugging the network like all the time? Like, they're not still doing that. I swear. Oh, oh no, they, like they're still. But doing remember, it. remember like in the beginning. Oh, I remember. How, do you remember the song? There was like a little jingle that they came up with. Oh. 999. It was something like that. It was like, like yeah. Literally, we have tablets at ringside here. Dude, I had a great idea. Like, if you were to go to a live show, as long as like it was completely synced up and live, you could actually watch it, not watch on the WWE Network, but pull it up and listen to the commentary. Oh, yeah. So, like baseball games. Like I was, baseball I, I heard games. Like that, that yeah. used, I never have done that, but I've heard people used to go to games. And if they it, probably still do them. No, they do. Yeah. You see it a lot in like old, uh, what do you call them, uh, period pieces when they like when people go to baseball games in the 50s. But I wonder if the network is completely synced up like live with the live Because I know like when I watch like AAF football right <clears> now, <throat> it is not like the... They have this in-game app that you can play and predict the plays, mm-hmm. but it's not like if you're if you're watching a game on TV, it's in a delay. How much of a delay? It could be like a couple seconds. It could be as many as seven seconds. I think that sucks. It does. Like on but, co- like because the commentary thing, if it was even, I'd say two seconds off. That I, I would turn it off. But of course, when when we're at a show, I know we can provide commentary for everybody. Yeah, as all the people around us let us know. Oh yes. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so um, I gave. I still get. I can't believe I gave it? it a five. I still get. I'm still running. I'm still running down the middle. Would you give it? Uh, I gave it a. I gave it a, uh, a six. Which I mean, I, like, I can't hate a Steiner brother. No, I mean, you can't. You're right. You're right. So coming out of the break, Jesse and Jr. talk about the controversy of the last match. Jesse, of course, takes the side of the decision, saying Rick Steiner was rightfully disqualified for suplexing the ref. The replay continues, and Jr. says Scott Steiner and Bobby Eaton weren't even the legal men in the ring. I thought that was wow. That was good. <laughs> Which, like, this has never been an issue with a finish before. Exactly. But uh, we go to Missy Hyatt, who wants to take another shot at the ninja. It's interesting the way I wrote that. <clears throat> Steamboat steps out of his locker room and toward the entrance area. Goldberg Tony- style. Yeah. <laughs> Ricky the Dragon Goldberg. <laughs> yeah, he kicks the door like he doesn't headbutt it. He just does one of his quick kicks or whatever. Just sets it on fire. <laughs> <laughs> just explodes like backdraft. He throws his, he throws his Komodo dragon through it. <laughs> 
That stupid baby of his. <laughs> you can do oh, it like that. Oh, no. <laughs> I'm a baby face. Can't you tell? I have children. <laughs> All right, so... Uh, Love Ricky Steamboat. <laughs> Tony and Eric then chime in talking through the U.S. title match since Paulie is banned um, from ringside. Ricky Steamboat versus Rick Rude here for the U.S. title. Okay, so Ravishing Rick Rude, the U.S. champion, enters this match without his manager at ringside since he's been banned. He tries to cut his pre-match promo, but the boos wow. are deafening. Wow! I've, I don't think I've ever heard Rick Rude get booed like this. Yeah, it, and I love how he does the perfect way of, like, he'll start and stop. Yeah, he'll, he'll he doesn't that. do that bullshit that they do now, which is, if like, where he'll say, all right, if you guys don't shut up, I'll leave. Right. He keeps saying the same thing. Oh, it's so I like good. how he lets the crowd win. By, like, stopping. He's acknowledging that you're getting the best of me. And then he finally just, un, you know, he does the... Powers through it. Yep, powers through it. It's great. Uh, this is a huge semi-main event. It, it feels like there's world title implications. I am more excited. This was the match I was most excited to see, basically. Yeah. Um, Steamboat comes out with a ninja... And all the momentum behind him, even though Jesse protects. I know. <laughs> Jesse's not on board with this either. Why does Why does he need a ninja? <laughs> I mean, since we aren't watching all the, I mean, it's plausible the Dangerous Alliance is probably like NWO getting involved and everything, and it's you know you need some backup, and what better backup Dang. than hey. you know he just looks at the phone book. Any ninjas in the Milwaukee hey, area? Hey, there's a guy literally named Ninja. <laughs> First name the the Theodore. <laughs> Oh, and I'm Ted Ninja. <laughs> Ted Ninja. You're gonna clean up. You, you like a Miller High Life? <laughs> um, Steamboat goes to work on Rude's dominant left arm and works it over heavily for minutes with a variety of arm bars, arm drags, kicks, and other moves. Rude sells every possible movement of this arm as painful, which is really good. It's even really, when he poses. Even when he poses. Granted, it goes a, like. It wanes at times in the match, but I'm not going to hold that against him because it's, I mean, that he holds it for a long time. Even to the finish, I think. Yeah. Like he's still favoring it a little bit. Steamboat just shines him up spectacularly, even though he's the heel champion. It's really weird. It's like the reverse. Like, normally the baby face is the one who's going to get worked over like this, but it's rude, and that's mm -hmm. fascinating. Well, and it's what we want. Like that's the other thing. Like we want to see Rick Rude get beat up. Yeah, yeah. We and that's that's <clears throat> that. This is actually really good psychology. And there's a um, the finish makes it all the better because as a fan of wrestling, you you really begin to buy in that Rude is the real deal, and that all he has to do is just overcome this. He that he could maybe overcome this on his own, and he's like really a worthy champion. But then it completely unravels because the ninja just waffles and that's perfect. Boat. With us twice, yeah, because the first one doesn't. <laughs> that was a drop call. <laughs> and then Paulie, it's revealed. Well, it's not revealed. I'm sorry. Let me back. It's right. Not. The ninja waffles him and then just disappears. Ninja I like vanish. <laughs> <laughs> what is this? Is Ninja Turtles? Yeah. Ninja vanish. I like every time the camera gets on the, the, oh. the ninja. He just, <laughs> just keeps like ducking his head down real fast. Um, this um, I, I like this finish, even though I know it's a kind of weird. It because it comes complete. There is no way going into this, you know that this is happening. No, I didn't at all. I didn't at all, and it's great. Um, and I like that it 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 it's that that Rick Rude like despite like he gets worked over this entire match. And on the one hand, you're like Steamboat's finally gonna get it, or boy, this Rick Rude is so tough. He yeah. is still fighting through this. 
I give this a seven. I think this Absolutely. is really, really strong. No, I agree. The, I love that he got worked over the whole match and then won by nefarious means. Yeah. Like, you dick! Like, you weren't the better, man. So you gave it a seven. Okay. Um, yeah, I, I love... A 25-minute time limit? What a weird number. Yeah, because the light... Usually heavy- they end in zeros. Yeah, light heavyweight got 30. Right. Got a 30-minute time limit. Was TV title 15... Yes. Okay. Back that, in the day, I believe it was a 15 I think it was 15. A 20, I've never it. heard 25. Yeah. Uh, that was very strange. Um, I Okay, this is a double-edged sword for me. Ricky Steamboat working his arm. Usually, this kind of stuff is boring to me. Mm-hmm. But the way he does it is so interesting and entertaining. However, I have one issue with it. He's working the wrong arm. It's not his rude awakening arm. It isn't because he's it's left-handed. A, isn't rude? Left, rude oh, does he, the rude awakening, but he does like it with this. his right hand. Yeah, he like he'll maybe hold the the, the guy's head with both hands, yeah. but he's working on his left arm. I want people to think I'm pissing right now, but I'm actually <sighs> pulling coffee real quick. All right, but um, <laughs> what are you a camel? This <laughs> guy camel? No, but that's interesting because like uh, he would throw clotheslines with his left usually, right? Like wouldn't rude? Didn't See. He, so yeah, he does he does other offensive moves with his left arm. Yeah. That's true. It's just he 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 could still do the rude awakening. It would be like a one arm stunt, yeah, yeah, yeah. basically. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh, this was um, I didn't know whether to write this or not because I thought this would sound like I made this up, but this really happened. So my color blindness, along with the distance, I forget about that. Yeah, my color blindness and my distance from me to the television fucked with me for a second. I saw the back of Rick Rude's. Uh, tights or his pants it's and it, it actually says rick rude on them that's not what i saw when i first read it when i first read it it said fuck face <laughs> i'm not making this up and i was i rewound it real fast like please you know like even though i knew it, i was like that's that's gotta be sir that is a leap that i'm not kidding that's how bad my that color blindness is, is. yeah that's that's awesome. Yeah, like the, the Rick definitely looked like fuck. Now every time like I can't read something, I'm saying, "What is that? It's a fuck face?" Yeah, <laughs> that's what I'm doing. Like, that's what's wrong with me. It says the library I'm... is open. <laughs> <laughs> I say it in front of children. The library, it's <laughs> fuck face on the library. I know, like that's why I almost didn't write it down. Like he'll never believe me. But that's awesome. The first word certainly looks like fuck, and it kind of looks like face. Red and greens. Rude and face. Anyways, you know. Yeah. yeah. That's why I was like, how did I mix up face so with good. rude? Like, there's not one letter other than the E that's the same. Is um, anything cool on the tights? Was it like the U.S. title? Did he have the U.S. title on? I didn't or? like the tights. I've never seen him wear tights where he had his name on them. Yeah. I know who you are. Like, yeah. that, that's weird. Because the storyline wasn't juicy enough to you. Yeah. couldn't put the ninja on there. That's like <laughs> You could put the baby on there. You put the dragon right on the front. The Komodo? Yeah. And it goes all the way down yep. his leg? Yep. 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 Ow! You know what I'm doing. Simply ravishing. Um, Rick Rude delivers a fantastic pile driver. Oh, the, yeah. I love... I used to try to do a pile driver like this with toys, where the... Where you could set it up just right to where the guy who takes the pile driver literally bounces up into the air. I don't understand how Lex Luger can't. Oh, we'll get to his pile driver soon. And yeah, exactly. Because like, it's funny that like that's his finisher for Rick Rude. This is like a signature. This, yeah, and it's the match before. I totally thought there was going to be like three matches in between. Yeah. So yeah, because I was like, oh, there's no way. But this match. I think steals the show for, uh, for the most part. Um, so I'm just going to call it the figure four is the is WCW signature move. WCW. If a company could have a signature move, WCWs would be the figure four leg lock. Everybody does the figure four, mm-hmm. which makes me think 
wow, all these guys know how to do the figure four, and it took the Miz like four months to figure it out. Well, because didn't he try to do it like a, the other leg? Yeah, I he, think that's what screwed him up. Yeah, because because uh, I thought about it, I was like, if I tried to do the figure four with the other leg, I might get screwed up. Yeah, like, so it shouldn't matter if you're left handed or right handed. Like it's the I just always do the left leg. Like, I don't, I don't, I've never understood why people do it with the right leg. Because like it doesn't even look right on television. Because Sting and Brett do opposite legs for the sharpshooter yes. slash scorpion deathlock. I get that. Like that seems like a left handed right handed thing. Yeah, and Brett, where, Brett he, Brett's left. Yes, Brett would do it on the left. Sting is on the right. Right. Correct? Sting is on the right. Mm-hmm. It's like they're running against... Oh, Stinger and his politics are really well, conservative nowadays against the hitman and his <laughs> liberal policies. I like how Brett Hart go, how do I differentiate this move? I'll do it with the left. We'll do it with the left. Do it with the left. People will know the difference. It'll be fine. I, I invented it. I, it's all mine anyway. It's all mine. Um, so this is... Uh, okay. Oh, man. The superplex. Ricky Steamboat uh, gives a superplex to Rick Rude, and it looks like the finish. Yeah. He gets him up completely vertical, and then I swear Steamboat actually jumps. He doesn't fall. He jumps off the top rope. Yeah. Oh, it's it's rough. Polly Dangerously. This is simultaneously one of the greatest swerves I've seen this season, and the stupidest. Because while, yes, uh, if this is Polly Dangerously, um, he totally... Pulled over, you know, he fooled everyone. He hits him with the phone. That's the finish. But at the same time, he completely and utterly incriminates himself with the phone. <laughs> like, he could have used, like, could have used a hammer. Use a brick. Use a brick. Yeah. I like how we go for the murderous <laughs> weapons. <laughs> That's one of the best of luck spots that, like, people voted on was, the like, the guy throwing the cinder block. That's a rough one, too, because these best of luck spots, like, we haven't talked about best of luck spot. They're mainly funny to us. That one, I, I... I think How does that I, not so win? I think, I think what's happened is, <clears throat> I think there's been a problem. Like, Best of Luck has become, like, it's not a botch. It's, it's not, not a botch. It's not a botch. It's like, this is a insanely this is a risky maneuver. that we're going to do. <laughs> I, 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 yeah, you're right. Because I've seen some of this, too. It's like, no, it's not a botch. Like, right. I, I, it's, it's just sort it's of like. It's never been a botch. It's, right. This is a spot that they must have discussed beforehand, and for some reason they both agreed to it. Like, <laughs> I always think, go back, Virgil trying to schoolboy Yoko's... So here's what I think. <laughs> I'm going to try to give you a victory roll. Not going to work. But the schoolboy on a 500-pound uh, Yokozuna. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, yes, it is, a, it is a spot that's either gone wrong or it just should have never happened. Um so yeah, I think that's kind of funny with Paulie. I gave this a seven. Yeah, this was a great. Match. It's really good. And what I like is like Ricky Steamboat. Obviously, like it's not. We're not that many years removed from the Ric Flair series. That no, like is, three is, years that everyone still references to this day. What I think is really cool is that Ricky Steamboat's come in here, and it seems like he's really willing to to give, like you know, to shine up other talent, which is really he's great. better at it than Terry Taylor. Because like you go back to that. Remember that Dustin. That Dustin tag match. Yeah. Like oh, that sh- when he first showed up? Yeah, he, that's, so good. He helps Dustin more than, like, takes the yeah. shine himself, which is really cool. I think it's just, that's, I, I think Steamboat's one of those guys, like, you know, maybe if you're just doing, like, an all-babyface top ten, he might make it in there. But all-time, like, wrestlers, it's, it depends on, like, it. I, I don't see him very often being, like, in people's top ten, maybe. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe he'd make a top ten, but, like, a top five. He's an awesome worker because he's so willing to give to the other guy, it looks right. like. And I don't know that for sure, but it's just what it looks like. I always thought that. He beat Savage at three. Savage looks like a million bucks yeah. coming out of that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It looks like Savage just screwed up one time. Right. Yeah, and that's what got the pins. It's really cool as a cradle. 
It was just a yeah, and it was a perfectly. I think it was a body slam flipped over into a. Was, yeah, or was it a suplex? Was it a suplex attempt? <clears throat> I forget. I think but Savage it's... picked him up to slam him, and Ricky rolled yeah, him up. Yeah, and yeah. it's just. I was love that Chris Jericho said that when he was a kid, he he had that whole match memorized, and him and I think it was his brother, they would reenact it in the basement, like beat for beat, like it was like a dance. Yeah, and I was like, oh. and, and and it's I mean, in the tie, it's really tied up nicely. Steamboat gives Chris Jericho one of his best matches. Jesus, oh man, that's right, backlash. Kind of two matches, really. I mean, the, the Mania, Mania match. Yeah, I mean, I, which that's the match that they oh, should have had. God. Yeah, yeah, because no, I remember that because none we of saw us. It. We, we did. Watched we watched it. that live. Yeah. No, nobody uh, thought Steamboat had it still. No, he he still looked like he was in his prime. With and then that backlash match is phenomenal. Yeah. Now Ricky Steamboat's one of the greats. Yeah. The only reason I don't think he's high up on most people's lists. Is because he didn't talk much. He's a bland promo. He's bland promo, bland personality, but in the ring, stellar. Great physique. Yeah. I mean, the, the arm drag. I mean, it's one of the greatest, like, just if, if screenshots you could ever get. Man, he he does the uh, when he's cinching Rick Rude, he puts his knee on his face, and usually this just kind of just looks like a move, but it actually looks like he's trying to rip his arm yeah. out. Ricky yeah. Steam. It's like. It's a, it's sad. It's a shame that he never had like a big high profile match with someone like Bret Hart. Right. Because like Shawn when Michaels. You think, like, I, the main, the WrestleMania three match I know is the iconic one, but unfortunately, like I always remember the dragon just when he was called the dragon in like 90, 91. Yeah. And granted, like I love the six man that he has at SummerSlam 91. It's a good opener mm -hmm. with uh tornado and bulldog versus powers of pain and, oh no, not powers, power and glory and warlord. But he doesn't have like a ton to do there. Mm -hmm. Like he's not in a position like this where he can really help get guys over. Although he's in that one that the the Survivor Series tag match, which is just Hall of Fame City. Oh yeah, he's on that. He's in that match. Power and Glory. Is it, that was Paul Roma and Hercules. Hercules. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I, I blanked. All right, so Missy <laughs> goes to Rude's dressing room and opens the door, revealing the Dangerous Alliance and an orgy. Would look like a first. Like, oh yeah, let's like, just all start fucking. I like how Polly has like Batman yes. uh, eye makeup on. Hi. Yeah. yeah. So there's Polly in the ninja outfit without the mask. <laughs> they shut the door immediately. They and, were able to keep this a secret for about four minutes. <laughs> how is Missy still shocked? Like you saw the phone. Yeah. Or maybe you didn't, but I mean, I'm sure she did. If she's yeah. watching the monitor in the back. Jesse and uh, Jr. talk through the main event. Jesse is very skeptical of Luger's endurance in the forthcoming main event. All right, man, so take us through it. Oh, sure, sure, sure. Uh, JR. Uh, Sting versus Luger, by the way. Oh, yeah, sorry. Uh, <laughs> I our, buried the lead. <laughs> our eighth, only eighth, and final match for the WCW World Title, Sting versus Lex Luger. JR makes a suggestion that Lex Luger is on steroids. Yes, he does. Wow. Like, did Luger just sign with WWF yesterday? So, like... We're, I, I've got some notes on Luger's exit because Lewinsky came through. Oh, good, good. Okay. So uh, basically what he says is Jesse comments about how big Luger is in the last 30 days uh, since he's been taking time off away from the cameras and stuff, to which JR says in response, yeah, uh, he is pretty big. Jesse, how do you get that big? And just, oh, man. Um, man, oh, Fan of the night, w Wisconsin man. This guy, uh, I'm so glad I saw him. Uh, I'm sure you missed it because it, it's a. Uh, I caught it for a brief second, rewound it. I'm so glad I did. This guy, 
in a he has a ponytail, a goatee, and a Donald Duck shirt. Walks all the way across like hard cam. He walks all the way across, makes a right turn very calmly, walks right up to the ramp, and just goes, "Hey Harley, you suck!" And then turns around and walks right back to his seat. And he's like. Excuse me, excuse me. Like he, <laughs> I drove all the way up here from South Bend. <laughs> this is right. Um, this occurs right when Luger and Singer first start staring at each other, yeah. uh, and they're talking. Oh, it's it's wonderful. Yeah. Uh, so great guy, great guy. Uh, let's see here. So okay, I my favorite spot of this match is honestly the Sting whips Luger. Into the turnbuckle, does a stinger splash. I know, yes, and yes, and you're like, yes, yes, like it's it was like a double kind of reaction. Yeah, uh, Luger like looks affected for a second, snaps out of it, nails Sting with a clothesline, and it is it was a huge pop for me. Yeah, and the crowd, I yeah, think the crowd really hooked into it. They didn't see it coming. I'm not big on the nose cell. But this was so exciting. I don't. And it's early in the match. And it's, so and it is. Yeah, it was like in the first minute. And it's like, how fast is this match going to be? Because Sting was going for it. Mm-hmm. So I was a huge fan of that. Luger, this might be the best he's ever looked. I I, I, I love him in like the blue tights and his physique. I, what do you think about the music? They never updated his music. He's still coming out to that. You know, I don't. I don't like the music. Yeah, it just it, doesn't, it doesn't fit. fit him. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it doesn't fit him any less than... What was that song that... That song he came out with during the Russo era when he was the total package. Oh, it was um, when, he, when he would pose in the ring. It because I, it was, it was like the the narcissist theme. Yes. Yeah. It was like they redid the they did a WCW version of the narcissist theme. So that's funny. It's like you're 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 doing a crappier version of a crappy, crappy song. song. <laughs> yeah, literally. Yeah. Um, I love that that spot. And then there's another spot almost immediately after. Luger goes for the torture rack, can't get it. Sting puts him in the torture rack. We finally we get a rack. We get a rack from Sting, <laughs> and and Luger, I, I guess he was too heavy because there is this narrative. Oh, there is this narrative that they 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 try to push throughout the the entire match that Lex Luger w- weighs about two hundred and eighty pounds, but he looks like he weighs three hundred pounds. Does that look like a three hundred pounder to you? Like, even with all the muscles. Yeah. Like, Hulk Hogan, I can buy as 300 pounds. When tall, he was, I don't know. I can't remember how tall Luger is. Because Hogan is like a legit Hogan's, six, seven. Hogan's 6'7 six, or 6'8. Yeah. I think Luger was like 6'2 or 6'1. I just don't buy it. JR, the stat book. I can't remember if he says how. I'm sure he says it in the match. I just forgot. I didn't, I didn't know. And that. Jesse Ventura comments on it too. He's like, he does look like he's 300 pounds. I'm like, Jesse, you look like you're 300 pounds. Yeah. Yeah. As a retired wrestler. Um... Thank God, because I'm I'm tired of trying to find ways to defend this move. Jesse Ventura takes a big old steamy shit on Luger's pile driver. Uh, Luger once again delivers and just the worst pile driver, and I don't know why he does it that way. Like like we we tried to figure maybe he was trying to injure the shoulder. Yes, because like, as a kid, I, I I this was I remember the heel Lex Luger because I remember like oh he's not doing the torture act anymore. Mm-hmm. He's doing the pile driver. And I remember when he did it, because I had seen guys do it. Like, I'd seen Brett do it, I think, in WWF. I'd seen a few guys do it. And I was like, that looks weird. And then I always assumed, it's like, oh, yeah, he's trying to, he's trying to really, like, drop all the weight down on the shoulder. I was like, is that as effective as dropping him on their head? 
Like, yeah. <laughs> like, because like, he hasn't been working on their shoulder the entire match. He's, right. not, he's not pulling a steamboat. And Jesse Ventura just, oh, he didn't get any of that. Like, he, like not even, he only got a little yeah. bit. Uh, and I was just very relieved <laughs> to finally see that. So, as I recall, um, Sting... Back body drops Harley Race on the floor, which God bless Harley Race for taking the spot. I know he must have loved it. Yeah. Oh, Harley he is. A, loved he's, doing he's a trooper. I love that picture of him body slamming Andre on the outside of the ring. Oh yeah, that's wow. right. <laughs> Jesus. So Get this fat man. <clears throat> this is. I'm sure this was exciting to a lot of people. Not so much me. Sting goes to the top rope. Flying cross body, one, two, three. Once again, Sting does not win. Not just a match. Actually, attempted it. He though. attempted it. He attempted it, and but Luger was too close to the ropes. Right. Uh, not only does Sting win another match without doing the Scorpion Deathlock, his finishing move, he wins the world title for the second time without using his signature move. This is like, imagine if Austin won the first two world titles without the stunner. Like the stun gun. What if he did the stun gun versus the stunner? Wow. You know, like the stun gun was cool. And he, remember he... He, he broke it out at, on The Rock at WrestleMania. Yeah, well, that's where they go. Well, WrestleMania the 17 is the greatest hits yeah, of... Uh, is, of Austin's career. It's one of the greatest matches and then one of the worst because everybody was like, you know what? We need to do these. The finish? You know, like, oh. we need to use every iteration of finishers we've had over the years. and You we're know gonna, what I mean? We're like, going to kick out of all of them. Yeah. And, yeah. 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 I, I blame that match and the Undertaker-Sean match for that. Um, I think this is actually a better match than Sting and Flair for the world title. Um, Luger, my opinion on him has changed so much uh, during this season because I never really got to see him as a heel and and other than the first season when we did the Russo era and he was fantastic during that but this is a completely different take on a Luger version of what a heel is and it works almost as good if not better uh, he is so good in this I, I, I loved watching the season for Lex Luger and I hope he never turns face again uh, I give this a 6 I'm conflicted on this match because as a kid, I I used to rent this pay per view a lot as a kid, and I loved this storyline. This you was you didn't copy the tapes, no. I you didn't have the two VCRs. Or... I I didn't have. <laughs> I had to. I never. I learned how to record on from the TV. I knew if, if someone was on TV, I knew how to record that. Okay. So not not that advanced. This is my dad. You know. Oh teaching, hey, teaching more power this. to you because it's awesome that you're able to gather all this media. Oh yeah, <laughs> thanks, dad. Awesome. Dad's like, let me show you a little trick. <laughs> you plug these uh, this video. As I push these uh, Comcast letters. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Charlie, that got me for Skyfall. <laughs> no, no, I'm sorry. It was Quantum of Solace. That that, that was the first time he got nailed. <laughs> So I, I used, because I remember I remember following WCW during this time. I remember going to Harris Teeter and getting the WCW magazine. The magazine was so cool. had all these different things in there. I remember the catalog. It was Sting, now the U.S., next the world. Like he's holding, like he's got the world. Wow. Like, because he's, he's the U.S. champion, he's, whatever. This was such a cool storyline because Luger was such a good heel. Obviously, there we don't know all the behind the scenes of, when we're kids sometimes. But... There are times he looks engaged, and there's times where he does not at all. And the hard thing with Luger is figuring out, is it intentional? Like, I'm this is kayfabe I'm doing this, or do I really not care? Mm -hmm. And that's what's hard. Because overall, I've loved the heel run. But it's definitely it, it's definitely felt over the last... And it, even though he didn't compete in the last show, but it's felt like as it's gone on, like, he's checking out more and more to where, like, I don't... 
I don't know if he's really as engaged as he may have started, but he pulls it off well because that spot is phenomenal. That stinger splash clothesline is really, really good. I used to think, though, even as a kid, like the crossbody was weak. Really? I yeah. used to not okay. like that because he needed to tap him out. Right. And I wonder if it's because it's his friend. He didn't want to tap him out on the way out. Oh, is Luger on his way out? Oh, is yeah, this yeah. It? This is it. Because I know he's there by SummerSlam. I've got some stuff for you. I've got some stuff for you with that. Um, so, by the way, Stinger getting the WrestleMania 25 entrance? How about that? Where they like they added this thing where he goes up these stairs and he's like on this massive podium that comes down the <laughs> yeah. entrance? That's true. I ended up giving this a five. I think as a kid, I liked it a lot more. It's significant for Sting. I get it. I kind of wish even... Even though they had a decent match, they still had a better match in this. Okay, while you're pulling that up, I've got this. Do I have it immediately up here? Let me see. Yes, here we go. Oh, here we go. Hold on. I'm pulling up some because I told you I was. I knew this was coming up. That Luger. This is. We're pretty much at the end of Lex Luger and WCW. And I was like, okay, we need to get some get some notations on this. Because Luger's got a book. Uh-huh. Luger does have a book. And thanks to Matt Lewinsky again for uh, taking some screenshots of it so we could go through it. So I'm going to read this real quick. This kind of travels a little bit further back in time into the 1991 era. And it covers some ground that we already have. Nevertheless, the WCW World Heavyweight Championship uh, was held by Ric Flair. And the title still eluded me. However, the baton was about to be passed. This is from Luger's biography. Oh, that's what I thought. It was scheduled for a steel cage match at the Great American Bash in Baltimore on July 14th, 1991, for the final blow-off between Ric Flair and me. It was a title a title match that had been years in the making. Unbeknownst to us, Rick was embroiled in a contentious contract battle with WCW officials. Talks continued up to the day of the match with the WCW brass still holding out hope that they were able to keep Flair in their stable. Unfortunately, Rick walked. We had to go go to a contingency plan. Barry Windham was stepping up as the number two contender to face me for the now vacant world heavyweight title. If you wrestle Barry and cheat to win, you will be our heel champion, Booker Dusty Rhodes explained. We've flown in former world champion Harley Race to be your manager. I'll have Harley slide the belt under the cage at the end of the match, and I want you to use Harley's finish, the pile driver, on Barry on top of the belt. And one more thing. At the end of the match, don't hold the belt up. Rick took the belt with him when he left, and we didn't have time to make a new one. <clears throat> they had slapped a makeshift belt together and wanted to make uh, wanted to be sure the ringside photographers didn't take a picture of me holding up a phony belt. I found it all pretty humorous after years of such buildup. At the last moment, we were all scrambling around like Keystone Cops. Despite all the last-minute problems, the match went just as planned, and I left with the title. Rick's move to the WWF was a huge loss to WCW. There was a lot of unrest and uncertainty in the WCW front office, which began to really concern me. Personnel cutbacks were being made. Per- yeah, personnel cutbacks were being made, and I knew I didn't want to be known as their marquee. Uh, aut- basically, like just their marquee, just holdover champion. Oh. I felt it was time to move on, and I had to find a way to make that happen. So my first call was to Vince McMahon. Vince had launched a new organization, the World Bodybuilding Federation, which was going to showcase a group of professional bodybuilders through a weekly television show, WBF Body Stars, leading up to a pay-per-view championship in July 19, uh, June 1992. 
On the phone, I threw out an idea to Vince. What do you think about signing me to a one-year WBF bodybuilding contract if I can get out of the last year of my wrestling contract with the WCW? I like how it's the WCW. I was already planning to sit down with my current employer to ask for a year off. I'll tell them that I won't be wrestling anywhere for a year, but may possibly explore <laughs> but That's I devious. but I may possibly explore other opportunities. If they agree, I can be a bodybuilder for you and then segue into wrestling the following year. Vince was intrigued by my proposal and said he'd get back to me. My next meeting was with the WCW front office where I made a confession. I've been going hard for six years. I'm burned out and I need a year off to rest with my family. That was certainly true. And since I suspected the company was looking for more places to save money, I thought it could be a win-win situation. So I wasn't surprised when they responded, well, we can't pay you if you aren't going to wrestle for us. That's okay. I might be looking into other opportunities over the next year, but wrestling will definitely not be one of them. I didn't elaborate. I let them think (laughs) what they wanted. They accepted my offer, and we both agreed to the terms. Meanwhile, Vince had gotten back to me. He agreed to sign me to a WBF contract, assuring he would take care of me financially. It was a sweet deal. I didn't feel as if I was doing anything unethical or anything that might have been considered a breach of the deal I had reached reached with WCW. I wasn't wrestling for Vince. I was simply showcasing my body. (sighs) Things get somewhat nasty, however, a little while later when WCW officials saw me promoting WBF body stars in a commercial running alongside promotions for the WWF's upcoming WrestleMania. The WCW officials were irate. They sued, claiming I had violated the terms of our buyout. He didn't. But since I never attended WrestleMania, let alone wrestled on the card, the legal action wasn't viable. They didn't count his video stream from WrestleMania 8? Do you remember that? They, like Bobby Heenan actually has a video interview with Lex Luger while Lex Luger is like sitting at home. Was that for WrestleMania 8? Yeah. yeah. Because WrestleMania 9, Luger fights uh, it's perfect. Mr. Perfect? Yeah. 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 So that's weird that they wouldn't count that. Because that was, I think, when he was first introduced on WWF television. And he says, yeah. That's crazy. February 29th. So um, he appeared, like in January 92, he appeared in the Tokyo Dome to defend his title. Um, February 29th, 1992 would be my last appearance as the WCW World Champion that night in Milwaukee. I would turn the title over to Sting at Super Brawl 2. I'll tell you what, if I was on my way out the door, uh, I would not want to be submitted. Yeah, no. I, I That kind of makes me look at it a little differently. Yeah, yeah that's, just, that's not Sting's fault. Yeah, if you're on your way out and you tapped out, no, or you gave up or whatever. But it, it, it all kind of makes sense when you go back and you listen to the commentary because they're just digging him. They're kind of digging him. Even mm-hmm. sometimes it's sometimes it's very overt. Sometimes it's very subtle, but they're digging at him nonetheless. And they've been doing it. The funny thing is, they've been doing it over the past few shows. Like they just keep going back to this. They're like, just been in seclusion. We haven't seen the guy. Yeah. Yeah, because he's making a deal. Right. He's trying to get out. Of here. I'm working out more. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So. Uh, you know, so you got the ratings, yeah. is that right? So we're going to count Jason's uh, three matches. Uh, his his three matches, he had an average of 5 out of 10. <laughs> uh, you have it rated at the highest at a 5.875. Uh, okay. I'm at a 5.75. We gave Super Brawl 2 a 5.54. 5.54. I'm pulling up right now. I believe it's a 6.85. I, that's okay. Uh, it's a pretty good show. Yeah, yeah. I think. it. Yeah, in fact, it's right here. There it is. 687. 
That's fine. Meltzer gave mm-hmm. the first match four and three quarters, uh, which was the Flying Brian Juice right. and Thunder Liger. He gave Wyndham Rhodes Zabisco Austin three and three quarters, and he gave three and a quarter to the other tag match, Anderson and Eaton versus the Steiners. I mean, the two best matches for me are the, the opener, that's the best match, and uh, Rick Rude and Ricky Steamboat. So what's your... All right. There's, I know there's some people that it's potential like backstage, like you're backstage, you got a match on a card, and then you see what they do in the opener, you're like, oh, uh, screw. Fuck. Well, if I'm match number two, yeah, like Terry Taylor was, but that match wasn't going to be good anyway. Like I, I'm somebody <laughs> like, and I feel like you probably say, like probably motivate me to do better. Like, all right, oh yeah, here's an example. And this never happened, but suppose we were doing the showcase, I knew the ten minute plays, <laughs> and you had like somebody ahead of us that like you know oh they popped they the crowd. Like, you and I would probably give the look like, all oh, right, okay, it's go time. But the problem, I don't is, think that happened. It never happened. Nobody came close. I mean, I to think I, I, not to say that those weren't good. Uh, they, they they were fine, but um, well, some of them, you know. But uh, no, there there wasn't ever one where I was like, oh man, that was good. Yeah, it wasn't alien the play. Yeah, you know, like if that had happened before our show, I'm like, you know, you know what? Let's not even go on. Let's do let's, yeah. let's let's write aliens in thirty minutes as a play <laughs> and steal their costumes. I would just do like aliens, just do the battle with just thirty minutes of just the, the battle between Ripley and the Queen. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, oh, from the, oh, just, from that's the two? it. That's yeah, all that's we're gonna it. do. That's all we got. We're gonna set set the whole place on fire. Yeah. But overall, cool. this is a good show. It's best best and, one in a while, and it it does feel like it. I don't like part of the thing that was frustrating. I had forgotten about the finishes with the other Dangerous Alliance like WCW matches because it felt like I was like, "We're gonna be pushing this, aren't we?" Because I wanted to see, I wanted to see Steamboat get the belt. I wanted to see the tag titles flip. Like I wanted to see the faces get their due. But yeah, it's Super Bowl of all things. Yeah, but it's okay. But I love Rick Rude. But we're building towards, and we saw the promos in this for Russell War '92, which is a huge, another huge Russell War. I think the. Japanese Super Show is is next. Yeah, we're gonna have to find a way to get a hold of that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, but uh, yeah, Wrestle War '92. Uh, that's the one I've been waiting for. Yeah, because uh, we watched we it like we a year ago. And I loved it. It's a really good show. It's got another good light heavyweight title match. It's got Z-Man's first good pay per view match. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> as far as I'm concerned. So, um, I think that's about it for this one. So yeah. let's talk about best luck spot. So we gotta we gotta record it soon because. We wanted When's to go Mania? It's the 7th. Okay. It's April 7th. So we're going to have to record that soon. And again, like, we're just going to... Yeah, that'll be our next episode. Yeah, we'll go through, and we're going to go through the fan inductions into the Best Luck Spot Hall of Fame, then our our picks, like our, our one pick that we get to just make that'll put one in. Then we'll go through our Warrior Award and our... Uh, <laughs> um, Barry Abrams. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Barry Abrams, yeah. The, the John Stossel <laughs> Award. That's right. But, um, is that what our Warrior Award means? I think like, it was, yeah. Uh, yeah, I'll okay. have to look at it again. But that's no, that's our celebrity wing. Oh, right, 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 right. Although I don't think Hogan told Bell oh, we do it for the fans. It. It's ah. the, we do it for the fans. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that award. So that'll be coming out soon. But in the meantime, we're on Twitter at New Blood Pod. We're on Facebook, New Blood Rising Podcast. I'm at William Rankin83. I am at CM underscore Stabs. And you can find Jason at the Jason Keesler. We'll see you guys again for the Best of Luck Spot Hall of Fame.